0: This show
1: is distributed by some quotes. Welcome!
2: Welcome to another fantastic bi-weekly episode of Texting. Episode two hundred and forty-five, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Well, how are you doing, Jason?
0: Doing good. Nice, beautiful day.
2: Yes, it is.
0: I like it because it's sunny, but it's now getting crisp out. Yeah, you it's, like that? Yeah, you can wear jeans. You don't sweat. It's uh, it's kind of like light jacket weather. I always wear jeans. I know. It's a like hundred degrees out. You're sweating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you off. You're sweating on your eyelids. It's so hot. Yeah, and you're wearing your jeans, but um, yeah, it's uh. Yeah, I love this weather. I feel more productive. Do you? I'm not. No, it's not that. I just because feel it's more not pre- super hot. Yeah, I'm actually am more productive when it's hot out, and I'm uncomfortable because I yeah. just because of the heat. I've just I'm lethargic. I'm you know I, I don't. You just want to lie back and fan your face. I don't know. Well, we our air our air conditioner broke. Our central air broke a while ago. Oh yeah. And the cost to replace it was just going to be like some ridiculous amount of money, like ten or twelve thousand dollars, and so we were kind of even putting it off. <laughs> and the solution was to buy one of these these like um, portable air conditioning yeah. units and so we bought one for the office but it's just barely adequate i mean i have that thing blowing right on me and it's still how much uh, uh,
2: productivity do you think you lose do you think you like in, if, if you could quantify it to a financial dollars i think f- i'm from twice, having no i think i probably
0: twice as productive
2: well, not like be, in a day
0: like today when it's when it, when it's you when it's, it feels especially when it's like this sunny out so when it's sunny out, I'm like optimistic. It feels like it feels like you don't never you don't know what's around the corner, but it's exciting, and it's crisp, so you're comfortable. I don't know. It's just it's something uh, about this kind of weather. It makes me. Doesn't that mean that it would be worthwhile investing the twelve thousand for the for the full AC in the whole
2: house, which would make you twice as productive?
0: You know, I would probably um, yeah. If you're going to boil it down to an equation, mm. it might make sense. But that just assumes that we have the twelve thousand in cash available. Because for example, does the you know which did, we don't. We don't see the thing is
2: other kids happier in, in if if, the, if there was AC in the whole place. I mean, would would your life generally be multi? You know, would it be a hack to make your overall life just better?
0: Yeah, but it's not like we have twelve thousand dollars sitting around. I
2: see. It's all theoretical, right? No, it's all in Tesla shares.
0: Well, yeah, I guess <laughs> if we had not put money in Tesla, but then that those Tesla sh- shares are worth many times what they originally were. So yeah. it was probably smart if you're measuring against that. But that's an anomaly. But even still, last year we spent um, a lot of our free cash just paying back. Um, Debt getting out of getting completely out of debt from previous mm-hmm. years, which yeah. we've talked about. So, anyway, yeah, man, this um, I'm loving it, it's good. So, uh, yeah, so, um,
2: I got, I mean, I have a, a few things to talk about, um, sure. but not anything that we don't normally talk about. Uh, but I'm happy to like get straight into it, or if you want to get into your tech links or
0: whatever yeah. you want. No, I got all kind of stuff. Why don't you start? Well, I was just going to start with foo. I knew you were. You always yeah. take easy stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, um, so you know we have been putting putting shout outs on texting to get a business partner with AnyFu, And um, we we've had a few offers back, but I mean I'm surprised we haven't had more because to me, if you're if you're a business, if, if you want to kind of wet your teeth at marketing or growth hacking or whatever, like it's the absolute perfect scenario. I mean, you've got a fully blown, proven business that, you know, generates revenue and is just waiting to be, you know, worked on. Marketed. <laughs> like, like you've the, the Seth Godin talks about the dip, right? You know, there, there's a dip to actually build a website, to create a website, to get people to use it, all that kind of stuff. And if it only needs marketing, you know, you are a, a long way there, right? The,
0: yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you're part of the way there for sure, but So just just to clarify for anyone who hasn't listened to recent show, um, we were we were looking for a marketing partner. We're looking for a partner that would help would actually take care of the marketing, growth hacking, sort of business development side. Mm -hmm. We have everything else taken care of. Like they don't have to deal with the technology. They don't have to deal with um, all of the sort of accounting, legal crap, setting up the business. I mean, everything's in place, right? We got the brand, we got everything set up everything worked. We proved it out. So, but what became clear is that neither of us was either willing or interested or had the time or whatever you want to call it to, to spend the necessary energy into uh, building up the marketing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So we, and so the, the, and, and this was, this was something I had talked about before we we partnered up on this is that I always I, I think getting two tech guys to partner up is usually not, your, not ideal. Usually you want someone who's going to do the marketing stuff and someone who's going to do the, the development. Because then you end up having two tech guys looking at each other and so who's going, to do, who's going to do the marketing and no one really wants to do it? And which is almost as bad as having two business guys. Is like, okay, so we have this great idea. How are we going to get this thing built? Well, we also had to
2: even up as well because you had taken more of the tech. So I had to do something else. And that was basically spend money on someone to get experts on the site, so because you didn't want to do it yourself, right? Because it's it's a lengthy process, right? And I, you know I have a lot of other stuff to do, but that's got to the point where we do have like enough experts on the site where you come there and to the site, and it's like okay, I, I could probably find someone for most major topics.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. So um, we so we put a, we put we put the call on the show once or twice, I think. I we got yeah, uh, you know, we basically we just had two people contact us, mm-hmm. Lance, who's a friend of ours expressed some interest but he's just too busy with work yeah. and then um i got another email and but I, neither of them i don't think would be quite the right well i don't know, who knows lance could have been the right fit ahead he had the time and interest mm-hmm. but um so we got uh I, I won't give his full name yet until we, it was dave. we, set. we it was just like dave. dave so dave guy named dave who's um a listener to the show um sent me an email and it's like hey and we had actually corresponded previously yeah. he had I can't remember the exact story, but he had sort of utilized a Lux surface area concept. Like, I think he wrote a follow-up post about it related to some stuff he was doing or some, something. And somehow it led him to getting a job at a really cool startup mm. in, I think he's in the Boston area or something. Oh, cool. So um, anyway, he's while well, he's a developer primarily, he's been really wanting to get more into the growth hacking marketing side. And so he's just spending a lot of his time over the past year or two learning from and working with. The people at his company who do that sort of stuff, trying to understand how they think about it, how they attack the problem, how they go yeah. about it, whatever. So now he's like ready. He's like, I want to start doing this. And I guess he saw anyfoo as an opportunity to, you know, it's like plug and play. It's like, okay, we got everything else in place. Yeah. We just need someone to go out and try twenty or thirty different things and actually put some energy on it and see if these things can work to to get this marketplace really kickstarted. Exactly.
2: It's a sandpit. Sandpit for him.
0: A sandpit. Oh, like a yeah. sandbox. Give me a sandbox. Sa- oh, sa- sandpit sand- sounds like uh, quicksand. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it's a sandbox and not a quicksand. So do we say sandpit
2: in the UK, I don't know. But oh, you anyway. say sandpit? Yeah, but anyway, sandbox, yeah. I mean, it is. You, you, just, you can totally just get your teeth wet doing whatever. But um, he he looks he looks the part as well, which which I always think's a good yeah, thing.
0: Yeah, you have this weird thing where you like look at people and you go, well, that person just doesn't look like... That this so they don't look the right. I, I always think that's really weird. But um most more importantly, he seems to uh be a sharp guy. He seems like he's he's listening to a really nice. Guy. Well, that is
2: important, obviously. What that he that he he seems like a sharp guy. Yeah, no, he seems he smart. Has, so, you know,
0: Andrew gets it. He he knows what he 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 listens to the show, so he knows us. Right, right. He knows our personalities. He knows what any about. Yeah, he's. Has a, uh, he's a developer, so he understands the tech world. He understands what the technologies are. Even if he is an expert in any of them, he knows what they are. He can talk about them, which is which is that's helpful. Very important. Yeah. I think that's helpful. Um, and uh, and I think more importantly, he's really interested in doing and learning about and experimenting with the growth hacking stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think that's the most. I I, I put a, um, I wrote a post on google plus a few days ago you know putting it out there again say hey we're looking for a third partner for any and one of the things i said is like look we don't really care if you're an ex if you have a lot of experience because you're gonna just have to try out a million different things and we have more than enough ideas and things that you can try you know and in the end of the day you're just gonna have to try a bunch of stuff
2: because building a startup's about the hustle it's about the hustle rather than the knowledge
0: I mean, knowledge can help probably save you time, but it's really about the hustle. I mean, like the example that the best is most illustrative is when you look at what Rob Walling did with Hittail. Like you talk about somebody who has a lot of experience kickstarting the marketing for a product. So he buys Hittail, rehabs it, gets it all up and running. And it takes him six months of trying things before he finds what he calls a flywheel. And he's an expert. And He knows. He knows it inside out. So that what what basically I think what that demonstrates is that the world is ever changing. Things that worked two years yeah. ago or a year ago may not work so well anymore, right? Because everyone else finds out about those things. The channels get flooded, and it's become and you're just lost in the noise. Um, you know, you have di- there's different mediums like things like you know YouTube and SlideShare and Cora. Um, you know, they didn't exist, and they exist, and people figured out how to use those to help growth hacking, and maybe they still work, maybe they don't work, maybe two people have figured out, maybe you have to figure something, do something else, but, and and each product is very specific. I mean, sometimes if, if there's a product similar to what you've already done, you know, maybe you can, you can leverage a lot of previous um, ideas or techniques, but, you know, if it's not if it's not like exactly adjacent to it, it's there's usually so many things that are different about it that you're just going to have to use different techniques. Yeah. And so I'd rather have somebody there who's smart and can learn quickly and be creative and try lots of stuff. than someone that comes as Oh, I've been growth hacking marketing for 10 years. It's like, well, you know, but
2: also it takes like a certain kind of person as well to try all those different things. Like for me, I find that quite boring, and I don't mean that to be offensive to anyone who's into that.
0: Well, you find most things boring other than the thing you're doing, right? Like, you don't like trading and finance. You don't like the marketing. Like, you have a very narrow set of things that you really like doing. Anything else that's a distraction from the thing you want to do is boring.
2: Maybe. Maybe. I, I guess I guess I really put my mind to something, and then I really want to focus on yeah, that you're and kind get of that myopic right.
0: Yeah, you're, you're which is a valuable characteristic because you know, you can probably attribute a lot of success to people being obsessed and myopic about this thing that they want to do. And they're just wailing on it until they beat it. Until you get
2: it done. And then I I never want to look at it again. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) So, I I mean, I'm really excited. I mean, so the, we're, we're at right now is, um, you know, I had a talk, I had a, uh, uh, you know, an introductory phone call with Dave and we went through everything and, And um, I basically said, look, man, I mean, (laughs) Justin are going to be easy to work with. We're going to be flexible and generous and let's just figure something out and make it work, you know? Um, And uh, then you and I had a call with him yesterday, Mm -hmm. I guess it was. And, you know, and, and everything seems like it's, looks promising. And and now Dave wanted to talk to um, half a dozen experts and clients to get a sense of how the product worked for them and what their thoughts were. So, I sent them intro It makes emails. sense. You don't want to go in totally blind. Like, oh, no, Yeah. No. Well, that just shows me that he's, you know, that's a good example, right? Like if he just, I think it just shows that he's, if he's willing to do a little due diligence, then he's thinking about it. He cares about but it. But also it?
2: with that, you know, by speaking to those people, he's more likely to produce good campaigns, right? Because he has more, in, you know, more inside knowledge about the product.
0: Yeah. Well, so like, he's, like I, he actually pointed out, he's like, look, I'm going to need to talk to people anyway. So why don't I talk to some of them before we, total, we actually sign on the dotted line yeah. as, as sort of a due diligence process? And I think that's going to be really good. Like, he'll get it from initial insight on what thinks he might want to try, but he'll also be able to like, figure out, like, okay, is any food, like, any good? I mean, Does it work? Mm-hmm. I mean, is it useful? Did these people who were the clients or were the experts, do they think it was annoying or do they think it was cool? I mean, what, what, what do they think? Or if it was cool, but there were things that could be improved, what are those things? And, yeah. and how big of a deal are those? Yeah. I mean, are they small th- problems that Jason and Justin can fix in the next four to six weeks? Or are they things that are just fundamentally problematic about the whole concept?
2: Yeah. Nothing's perfect.
0: So anyway, so that's the update on AnyFu. I guess you and I are both much more excited about it than we have been in a long time. right? Because <laughs> I think it, if we can get this to work out, Dave comes on and starts injecting energy and, and starts running experiments and trying stuff and then and then you and I which I you know which we talked about with with him we said we will we will you know support him we will be fixing bugs adding features doing work as well so it's not like we're going to say hey yeah, whatever it takes here you go go do it we'll be doing yeah. work too so um so then the product will move forward as well as the marketing mm-hmm. so one Great last deal. so i think as i told you, I was like this is our last shot i think because if 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 dave doesn't want to do it or somebody like Dave, doesn't want to do it, we're going to shut it down by the end of the year.
2: Yeah, because because of the accounting fees.
0: Well, I don't want to pay, we have to pay like $1,000 a year roughly for the LLC yeah. fee. Yeah. We have to pay the accountant for it's like another 1000 or 1200 or 1500 bucks, And then all the annoying little fees that add up here and there. So, you know, you and I are out, I don't know, $2,500. Mm-hmm. And i just as soon save that money. Because yeah, if we can't spend, because we've been asking or trying to find a, a third partner for a month already so if within two or three months we can't find someone to jump on why pay $2,500 in the chan- with the chance of most likely outcome being that we can't find anyone
2: but especially yeah and especially given where we're at with it we're not going to move it forward ourselves anyway so well we, we are going to move it forward if we find the right person but if it's just left to you and I we have other projects that we we're focused on
0: yeah it's yeah. like you I just allocate it we just reallocate yeah. our resources more optimally right right You know, and that includes time, money, attention, you know, everything, so. But it would suck. It would suck because it
2: has so much good, you know, many, many positive points going for it.
0: I think it does. I think it has a lot of potential. And I think, um, I would be sad because I thought, I think it's a, it's a good idea. I think I like the brand. I like Mm -hmm. the name. I like how, I like how every single person without exception that we talked to, that used it was really happy with the experience. Mm Mm-hmm. Not that there were people say, oh, you know, I wish I could have gone in and adjusted this session time. Or it might have been nice if I got an extra email reminding me just of, of when the session was. I mean, really small things. Various things that you add. But the fundamental core experience, the value they got of it, was across the board, two thumbs up. So to see that just, like, not really get off the ground, it'd be kind of um, mm-hmm. disappointing.
2: Yep. Yeah, so that's any food.
0: So that's any food. Well, what else you got other than uh, – because that's well, not really something you have. I, you
2: I, I literally – I don't have very much. For example – Well, what one, a surprise. One thing I do have is, is – uh, well, I'm just – this is really curiosity. Are you going to buy any shares in the Twitter IPO? No. Why? I'm only going to – Are you I, only going to buy shares and stuff you completely believe in where you believe in that person? But you bought Facebook shares, for example.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was just – I thought that would just be kind of fun. It almost as like a uh, an event right like mm-hmm. facebook going public was such a you know and i and i learned my lesson like i mean it, you don't don't even play around with stuff because you can lose money unless you're playing around with so little money you don't care did you but you didn't lose money with facebook oh yeah lost half investment well not now you didn't did you sell them did you oh, sell yeah them? well i sold everything out and bought tesla with it all the money oh oh you, oh because if you'd have held on to it now you'd be up oh i'd be even again yeah instead of up six times over Right, no, that's true. Right, so, so you th-
2: okay, so you made more money by selling those shares and losing fifty percent, putting them into Tesla,
0: and multiplying that by six. All right, but then I, of course, we we put more, we doubled or tripled our investment, put more. Okay. In. so I mean, my my personal investment thesis is like I like to go after things that I are so obviously awesome that. You'd feel that like you, you that you just know is going to succeed. That you would you you if you transposition yourself, you transpose yourself in the future, and you punch yourself in the face if you didn't invest. Mm-hmm. Like I just, for me, I feel that way about Tesla. I feel that way about Solar City. I feel that way. Yeah, because
2: I do feel like punching myself in the face for not investing in Tesla. That's a very good strategy.
0: Yeah, you just have to kind of you just have to imagine yourself. Like, are you that confident that it's going to be successful? And I remember feeling that way about a few different companies over the years, and I just didn't have the money yeah. at the time. I didn't have the money available to invest in Google when, you know, right when they came out. And I didn't have the money. Wow,
2: Google would have been.
0: Whew. And I certainly didn't have the money to invest in Microsoft back in the mid-90s when, you know, it was all Microsoft back then. And we, and we, we me, my buddy Phil and I, who, yeah. in our first startup, we were developing everything on that Microsoft platform. And everything was Windows, and everything that they were doing was, was, was going up and to the right and people would periodically call, well, they would talk to us and know that we were in the tech world, you know, like, what should, what should we invest in? What should I do? I'm like, uh, Microsoft. <laughs> like, you know, but I, I mean, I, I, mean, you know, when you're right out of college for a couple of years, you don't have the money to, or any significant amount of money to pay. I mean, you're, you're, you're basically living off of uh, the meager amount that you make every month and paying I rent. I was sort of
2: thinking of like, you know, buying a few Twitter shares, like maybe a thousand dollars uh, worth.
0: $1,000 is like, you know, I mean, it's like, I mean, see, it's not that I think it's, it's not that I don't think that it has potential, but, you know, as like, um, I'm not sure Twitter can become much more than it is. Right. You know, I just don't see. It doesn't see have that growth potential. It. I just don't see mind. it becoming, I mean, what, what more is it going to be other than just more advertising? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't personally see it. Maybe I just don't have the they don't really have,
2: They're not known for having a culture of developing other products. I mean, even Facebook, you think of Facebook and you think, oh, they, you know, they, they're looking at Facebook phone. They're looking at all these different things. is yeah. nothing like that with Twitter.
0: Yeah. I just don't, I just don't see it. I mean, you know, which is, yeah, I, you know, so Twitter is kind of the same thing it's been for the last four or five years. Yeah. And what more can it be? The only way they can do, and it's like, I don't think, sure, it can, ex- it can ex- ex- it grow in more in the developing world or something, but the th- developing world doesn't have as much revenue, right? So it's like, okay, so you have a bunch of people who in the third world who make $5 a day. So what does that mean in terms of revenue for the company? right? It just doesn't make, it just uh, to me doesn't make, I, uh, I don't see it. I don't see it being, I don't see this huge growth. We may actually be getting to the,
2: the Twitter bubble, because I've noticed that ads are really, really using Twitter now. Like even, even as part of the ad copy, like there was a, a subway ad where the the guy goes, hashtag delicious, hashtag awesome, hashtag tasty, you know, like they're actually saying it as part of the ad. Maybe it's to the point where it's become so ubiquitous that it's, it's even just going to get unfashionable. Do you know what I
0: mean? And, and these things do. I mean, like, yeah, that's the way I felt about Facebook. I remember talking about it a, a too. This is probably two years ago. I was at the, uh, gym playing basketball and you know, most of the guys that i play with are a lot of them are young you know early 20s kind of mm-hmm. stuff and this one guy was probably he was actually really young he might have been like 19 or something like that mm-hmm. and i don't know how something came up about technology or whatever and the internet and about facebook and i said so do you and your friends use facebook much and he's like no, it's like my mom's on Facebook, right? Right, yeah. It's like having a party at your house when you're in high school. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's not, and it becomes uncool. I mean, cool. being cool is fundamentally separatist from what most people are doing. If everybody think if everyone is cool, nobody's cool, right? It's the cool people are 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 it's it's or, are sort of separate themselves. Everybody else is lame. We're cool. As soon as everybody's doing going, he's listen the music we're listening to, wearing the clothes we're wearing, or going to clubs or whatever we're doing, that's no longer cool. We're moving out. I definitely see people shifting
2: away from Apple for that reason, shifting to Nexus or to to Android. Yeah,
0: I don't, I I don't know if I describe this quite the same thing the social network, but I think um. I mean, I think the thing with Apple is um, it's, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's Apple with Steve Jobs. And, yeah. and we're still, we're, we're living with Steve jo- the ghost of Steve Jobs. And we're, we're, we're still, you know, the designs, the ideas, the concepts, all the, all the sort of earth-changing um, innovations that came from him are not coming anymore. And I mentioned this on the show two years ago or whenever when Harry died I am I mean not that I was the only one who said that but I remember saying this like I, I mean we'll for the next it's few years plesso, yeah. or a few years it'll kind of you know come up with new iterations of the same stuff things will be a little faster whatever and then it's going to be a slower version to the mean meaning that Apple will become an average company over time it may take 10 to 15 years to get there but it'll become a Samsung or a Sony or whatever I mean Apple at laptop I mean the, the iPad and the iPhone and MacBook Air and MacBook Pro are all really cool products still. But there's only so many years goes by before it starts looking kinda mm-hmm. kinda old and uncool. And you know, Cook, he's just an operations guy. He probably doesn't have a creative bone in his body. Much less have the like absolute certainty that even if he had the vision. You know, that this is the way to go. This is how we're going to change the world. And having that sort of charisma, that ridiculous overtop tenacity to, to will it into existence. He's just an operations guy. He doesn't have that. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's just, there is no Steve Jobs. There are people who are just singular in their ability to will things into existence. Steve Jobs is one of those people and Elon Musk, in my opinion, is one of those people. Steve Jobs is gone. There's nobody to replace him. And there's no... And they, I, I, read, I read some article a couple weeks ago or something was there was some female executive they're thinking about bringing in, or they are bringing in, and she's like going to do sort of media and marketing, and they're thinking like, well, her, together with Cook, like they'll kind of like,'ll well, come how create a synthetic Steve Jobs. I like there's no chance. <laughs> it's not even close, you know? It's not even close. But it's also
2: someone like that really wants to do their own thing, so it's unlikely that they're going to work for Apple. Like they'll be doing their own startup somewhere, you know?
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just think, you know, it's like there are people that come around every once in a while in certain areas, whether it's art and music, business, sports, whatever, who are just so far above everybody else in certain ways. And when they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. You know, they just, they come around once in a generation. And, you know, the way our world, you know, and I don't know. I, I mean, it's just too bad. And I, I wish, you know, I don't, I hate being like a... a A downer on the topic but apple is is not going to be the apple of 2010 anymore it's
2: maybe maybe uber's the new company we watch
0: (laughs) travis yeah well that's a different kind of company i mean travis is is done a great job with uber uber is in my opinion going to be a massively successful company i i would equate it closer to something like an amazon right you know something that's it's well
2: amazon's i mean what what Bezos has done is incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. like you've got to give Bezos as much credit as Steve Jobs. I mean, what he's done. I mean, but he's he's not as in your face, but he's uh, like he's changed the planet. You, you know, certainly certainly the tech world. I mean, mm-hmm. AWS, Kindle, all the different things that they've they've done is unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and, yeah, in a different in a different way. I mean, Steve Jobs is more impre- obviously impressive because yeah. design aesthetic right, and right. sort of product sensibility, yeah. which really affect us when we see that those things and experience them like this is amazing. Whereas, you know, you get used to Amazon, like oh, I just order something, it shows up two days later. Well, but I mean, like anything, that's pretty cool. Well, think about AWS. It just seems like like
2: the the Elastic Cloud. It just seems like, the, you know, it, it's it's so it's a foregone conclusion. It's almost like the postal service. It's like, but wouldn't that be, you know, wouldn't you think that would be built by some great Silicon Valley genius, you know, something like that? Seattle, I mean? Yeah. But this has been built by a a guy who started a bookshop. He's basically revolutionized the, you know, the the tech industry. Yeah. You know, that's pretty pretty impressive.
0: Well, and and just to jump back to that Uber thing. So, you know, I mean, I know Travis personally. Um it's kind of weird to see if someone you know, someone you're... I, I wouldn't go as far as to say we're friends, like I call him up regularly and we, and we just talk about a life. I mean, he's like, you know, we we're talking about you being myopic, like multiply that times 10. Right. It's like Uber times 10. Like he is 100% obsessed with Uber, which probably to a certain degree descri- explains why it's been successful. Right. I mean, you talk about someone who's absolutely 100% focused on but wouldn't this you thing. think that Steve Jobs was like that as well? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think some people are... Like I said, I think Uber, obviously, it's going to be, it's going to be be huge, but it's also just got
2: a great brand appeal. Like even the word Uber and just everything about it. I like it. And I like, it's, it's just cool. Like you, you open the app and you see the little cars coming your way. And I know that you are very responsible for that as well. It's just a great little, it's a great little concept. When when I show people that they're like, what? You can see the car coming to you. I'm like, yeah, it's coming (laughs) on the road. Like that just blows people away every
0: time. Well, you're always kind of a naysayer. You're like a big fan of Halo. You're like you like the cheaper, the lower end No, stuff. you know
2: something. It's funny now that I see the difference between Uber and Halo. Like, I the brand, like the the, the kind of brand of excellence. I really, appreciate really that. appreciate that. Yeah.
0: Well, it's funny because it's, I, I, it's it, it it makes sense that you you arrived at that because you're also the person who, as in you, you had explained this conversation you had with somebody about how. The reason you like apple or the iphone over android is for all the fit and finish quality of product quality of right. experience and you went you know so you and i had a conversation you're talking about how you went back and forth with this guy who couldn't understand why you would use an iphone and you kept showing him all these different <laughs> visual just aff- basics yeah but i net. by the way i never said i was a big proponent
2: of halo i just i just i was parroting what a cab driver was saying to me in chicago i, I was not
0: yeah yeah well no you i i don't know I, I felt like you were um maybe maybe i'm interpreting i was taking it a little personally yeah i think so but i felt like you were thinking that halo is going to eat uber's lunch because it's less expensive and the and you felt like the cab driver got a better deal or i can't remember what it was like but it was less expensive like it was just cheaper or something
2: well there was a no there, there was just a couple of basic points like one of them's like it seemed like when they were introducing it into a town they were doing it in a very personal way where where they were like walking on cab ranks talking to cab drivers you know and and also i guess that they're in europe but 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 that's what Uber as does, as, right? as it's played as it's played out and and uber has got the investment from google and
0: oh it has nothing to do with the best of the whole thing I mean, it has nothing just, to do with that i mean uber spends a lot of time it does background checks It has a series of uh, they they do they like, go through a course and they have to go all sorts of testing and everything to make sure these these guys are um, are are good. Like a lot of people just apply and they aren't accepted. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's all about really. Uber is more in line with your thinking of like vertical, top to bottom quality of experience, managing the experience. Like Uber is every every component obsessed about managing the quality of the experience. Where. Halo and other things are much like here, you know, we we just sign up a bunch of cab drivers.
2: So it's like so Halo's like Android, Uber's like Apple. If you want to put
0: com- maybe if you had to, if you had to make that comparison, for sure. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean so just for the record, like I've never thought that Halo was better than uber
0: right? i don't know could somebody go and listen to a show do we talk about halo I'm pretty, sure. I'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure
2: that's
0: the case i think you were skeptical of uber and that no, no
2: no 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 I no I how could how could i be skeptical of a company with that growth rate i mean well that would be insane well this
0: is earlier this is earlier no 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 this was this like a year like, ago year and a half ago when yeah, you but, went to europe no no this was coming back from chicago oh is it chicago yeah Okay. Oh, I thought you tried yeah. it when you were in London once too. I guess you're right Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Well anyway, let's uh let's move on. All right. So uh, Well
2: what about the mystery of Google's floating barges in the San Francisco Bay? You know, I haven't read that. Just there's these there's there's these barges that are that look like they're, you know, data centers the size of I don't know, a New York's a New York City scraper. They're so that large. They I mean they're they're full like oil size barges with with stacks of about six or seven you know those freight those those train freighters, yeah. yeah so like six up and maybe four across the whole way along the barge and that is it's and they
0: it, they definitely
2: belong to google well uh, the investigative journalism says that and they're just wondering what you know what's it for and they're just sitting out there yeah they're, they're, they're gradually building them putting it together
0: would seem expensive to have them sitting on barges. I mean, why wouldn't you just stack them on land somewhere? But
2: do, do, like, I, I guess the thought is maybe there's some kind of, it, you know, international fit, like sort of freedom concept. You know, if they have not, this stay center, if
0: you're in a port, you'd probably have to be 50 miles off, off land. Right, but you got to build it. got to build it first, right, and then you send it out interesting yeah it's like uh something of a tv show lost remember right it was, like, it's interesting
1: kind
2: of weird, to say like, the least is,
0: right the dharma initiative yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway i just thought i thought that was
2: an interesting thing to bring up but uh, i don't know how much we could talk about it
0: yeah um so i want to talk um i want to talk ca- catalyst actually um so well first i guess i'll start off and say i i wrote a um a google plus post Mm. Called My New Strategy for Teaching Kids How to Code. So I I wasn't I wasn't gonna take a lot of time and write like a what a an art what I call it, an article that I put on my website. Um but I said, you know, I'll just I, I just felt like I needed to like put in put down in words, not on paper, but on screen, what I've been thinking about. Like, you know, what we talked about on the show, like my new strategy, like, okay, what are we gonna do this year to make this work? Like what I mean, there were, there, were, there were six or seven things that I thought didn't work very well last year. Um, some of them were just logistical slash technical problems. Some of them were um, more just choices about what we were working on and how we were working on it. And so I, I started thinking, like, you know, what, what are we going to do differently? And, um, you know, sometimes you have these things, you just got to put them down. Is it, can you list them off quickly, what
2: the, the individual yeah, things so are?
0: Yeah, thir- so the, the titles are, one, don't patronize. Mm-hmm. Two, breadth-first learning. And three, challenges, points, and levels. Mm-hmm. So the don't patronize one uh, basically means like no um, drag-and-drop baby sandbox stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you, there's a lot of people putting effort into creating these sort of these little games or, or very closed, simplified programming environments. So it's like we're teaching kids to code because they can drag-and-drop these little elements and they get the sense of like what a computer program does, or they can play like a video game. And I actually even built something similar like that thinking of, uh, at the beginning of last year as something I was thinking maybe we could play with a catalyst. Um, but I think, I think all that stuff actually, um, doesn't get you very far. Um, because I think it's not, it's not in the, at the end of the day, it's not really teaching you programming mm-hmm. because if if I said to you, Justin, I know how to program, and you're like, Oh, really? You know program? What do you know, What do you program? And I said, Oh, I program in Scratch. Right. You would laugh in my face. You're like, Dude, that's not programming, right? Well, I, I mean, would, were, you wouldn't tell me. You would say, If it would would you say, Oh, Jason knows how to program? You'd be like, No, he doesn't know how to program. So, if that's not programming, then what are we teaching them? Right. We're not really teaching programming, because as an adult, you would not say another adult knew how to program because they could do some conditionals and loops in scratch right so we can't really say we're teaching kids to program if they're if they're if what we're teaching them to do isn't what we would describe as that thing whereas you can teach kids how to play tennis or the piano or gymnastics and they're doing the real version they are doing the same thing that an adult know how to do maybe they do it as well and it takes longer to get them there but yeah. it's the thing itself yeah and, um, Makes sense. which funny, I was talking to Sandy we were wa- about this when we're walking home from school and I was sort of mentioning this, uh, concept to her a little bit. And she's like, you know, she's like, well, that's just like you, you hate everything that's fake, everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, do you know that about yourself? Like, I hate, I hate fake wood floors. I hate anything in a house that is not like a fake plant or a fake, oh, it's not real brick. It's fake. I just hate it. <laughs> I hate when people lie, I hate when people bullshit, I hate when people misrepresent themselves, I hate fake, I want real. And uh, I guess this maybe be to some degree is a manifestation of that, or it might just be coincidental, <laughs> but I kind of feel like last year we spent a lot of time, or I should say I spent a lot of time working on our in-browser development environment for two reasons, one, I wanted to simplify the process of having to install a bunch of software on the kids' machines, which you and I experienced that the first couple of days, and it was a nightmare, right? Trying to install Python on different Windows and Macs, and they bring in a different computer every week, and we were just like, "This sucks," right? And I was like, oh, "We could just program. We could just program in the browser, then we just could remove that headache, and they could work at home." And da 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 da. You know, we 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 went through this many times in the show, <laughs> previous episodes. But the other one, of course, was like. I was trying to isolate down what it was like to learn when I first learned when it was just like, you're, you're like an Apple II or, you know, it was Commodore 64s or whatever. And it's just like a command line. It's just a, you know, basic. And you say, print hello world, run. Right. That was it. Yeah. So I was trying to create, I was trying to move out, move away all the distractions. But what I, what I, I think we figured out last year is, when you have an environment where it's just kind of a command line and they're just writing these little programs or doing these little challenges, it's not connected to anything real for them. Like, you know, we're trying to teach them like, oh, write a function that does this. They're like, well, why, would, why do I need a function? Right? I mean, what's the motivation for it? We're just saying you write a function. Exactly. You want, you want
2: them to write a function when they're going to do something like print a hun- put 100 circles on the screen and it's like going to be really laborious to have 100 circles on the screen.
0: Well, and it turns out, and the 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 most obvious thing we need to function is as as an event handler for an event, right? On mouse down, like you have to call a function, yeah, right. So that which is how another set of people learned how to code in the the next sort of generation, people who learned programming by creating HTML pages, then writing JavaScript handlers, event handlers, and then kind of building from there. And I started realizing, you know, well, actually, that might be a better way to come at it. Because if they can create their own websites, then, you know, starting from HTML and basic CSS and JavaScript, then we can just kind of iterate on that.
2: Well, but the basic thing of them creating their own websites is such a massive motivator for them. You know, Mm -hmm. they just go crazy to have their own thing that's out there on the World Wide Web. It's real. It's real.
0: Right. It's real. It gets them excited. Like, there's something we didn't see before. Right? I don't yeah. remember seeing anything like that kind of excitement that ownership of like... Oh, no. You
2: know. No, nothing like so that.
0: So now we're kind of giving them a superpower, I feel mm-hmm. like. And then also giving them their own VPS. Like you SSH into this machine, and you're going to learn command line to get around and create directories and move files. Like, dude, that's the real thing. You can set up account. Like you can log into any server. If you have the, assuming you have the credentials and do this stuff. So does this all fall under one, don't patronize? Uh, yeah, so that that's following up so The next one was which this sort of rolls into is breadth-first learning. So last year it was sort of more like, we're going to learn JavaScript but that in isolation of anything else. And when you learn something in isolation of anything else, like I said, it, it sort of loses its context. Like why? We mm-hmm. had to kind of invent, you know, reasons to explain why you want an array. Okay, so let's say you had a list of things, and they're like, uh, okay, mm-hmm. right? Whereas... I can easily say an event handler, like, so: you click on this button and you have 20 or 50 or 100 green circles and you want to turn them all blue and mm-hmm. click down. How do you do that? You know, get element by class name <laughs> returns an array. Now you have to loop over, you know, and it's like, you know, immediately obvious why you want to do that. And it's and it has a visual, something they can see, they get it. It's there. But you've also been writing better challenges as
2: well as a result. I think the challenges just are better. this well, It's this easier. Time. Yeah.
0: Right? Because it's kind of real. It's like it's visual. and and um, But it's like you can learn JavaScript, CSS. I mean, you have HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And also, since they have their own VPS, they're learning um, command line and Vim at the same time. Yeah. So they're learning five skills. But at each time, they're learning you know five to ten keywords slash commands each one. And then we go through and like, okay, you've got each one of those. You go to the next level. And I think it ties everything down. Everything makes sense. They know why they need to know it, and they feel empowered. Like I got the whole thing here. It's not like there's this big black box of stuff I don't even get that somehow is happening.
2: So that's breadth first learning.
0: Breadth first. You just go breadth. This was a depth first. You know, like a searches, searches. Uh, a depth first is that you would just go deep dive on one thing and then mm-hmm. deep dive in the other thing. And the third one was challenges, points, and levels, which we've talked about the importance of badges or belts or level whatever you want to do you know
2: motivation yeah that seems to be the guys seem to be more into that than the girls
0: uh we only have two girls so yeah. okay i think it's kind of a hard sample space to all right for <laughs> <it. laughs> to, to extrapolate that but um you know i don't i don't i don't know i mean um so i, I think we need the challenges and, and 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 points and levels to keep them focused on on un- un- learning certain basic skills yeah. that we need to go to the next level so we can do cool stuff. And I was just actually this morning putting, uh, writing up all the sk- for each skill, like a bunch of, like I would have like, okay, for CSS level one, here are the skills. For, here's level two skills. Mm. So I'm doing level one, which is a lot of stuff I've actually wrote written up already as previously like a cheat sheet. Here's your CSS. So we're cheat- going to
2: have to test them against that level one. When, like I'm going to have to sit down with a kid and, and, double check that they have those skills. And then if they do, then I can award them a level one star.
0: Yeah, I think, I think the way we should do it. I mean, this is work and problem, we'll experiment. But I think, yeah. so what I'm going to do is I'm going to assign, like there is a certain number of points that you have to have for a different skill to test for mastery. Yeah. So if, if they're like, well, I think I'm ready for JavaScript level one, I'm like, all right, sit down. And it's like f- five minutes, like just, or five or 10 minutes, like do a little test thing i mean it'd be easy to test for vim and command line like all right all right sshn create a directory rename it create another subdirectory create another one create a file open up Vim, edit it delete it rename it you know <laughs> yeah. whatever okay boom ls how many files, a, you know they go through it got it all right you got it okay vim yeah. login go to the end of the file go to the beginning of the file copy this line copy this delete that you know move this in undo you know it's like okay quit don't save it save it you know it's like got it yeah we can do that and i think um we might be able to have their way, easy ways to test. We might be able to do more like, rather than having to code in front of us completely, it's just like, let me just ask you some questions and if you can describe it, you know. Mm-hmm. We'll try to make it as efficient as possible. I don't want it to yeah. be cumbersome or whatever. Okay. But, um, yeah, so anyway, I, just for the hell of it, I just submitted to Hacker News. And... Oh, the, this, so now go back to the Google Plus the post. The Google Plus post. So this was yeah. the first three, the, the three points I wrote in. And it was really... F- you know, I said, ah, what the hell, I'll put it on submit it to Hacker News. See what happens. And, you know, it just fell off the front page, had like two upvotes. I was like, Oh well, you know. Did you Yeah, okay, yeah. I didn't ask anyone to upvote it. That's I gonna that's what i was gonna broadcast. say. Yeah. I just, like, ah, just whatever. Yeah. And then and then it like got nine points and popped up on the front page. Huh. Like I know where and then it stayed up on the front page. It didn't get number one. I hung around nine or ten for like the entire day pretty much. Oh, that's great. And got I got like ninety five not, that,
2: that's a, a tip of the hat.
0: Yeah, it's a tip of the hat, and it. But it, what was interesting is it got 119 upvotes on Google Plus. Huh. That's a lot. You would think like, well, it would be a fraction of that. It's like a Google Plus. The inner the, the engagement on Google Plus was extremely high. I got 39 reshares. Oh. Huh. And I got 44 comments. Oh, some of the comments with me was me responding to people's questions and stuff. Yeah. But that was huge engagement. Yeah, on Google Plus from Google and, Plus, and yeah. I've been kind of lazy. I haven't really done much Google Plus in the last year or so. I, I, I remember I was doing some stuff about a year ago, a year and a half ago, when I wrote some things, and then I just kind of stopped doing it. But then the reason I started is I I just wrote a little thing about teaching Kobe Vim and command line and the command line, and it got like sixteen upvotes, and people were in case. I'm like, wow, I guess people are hanging out here
2: because yeah.
0: I I'd, I'd, I'd say a similar thing on Twitter, and it was just like nothing. It was like ghost down. Yeah. So Twitter for me, maybe it's because I don't have enough followers but it's like almost no engagement how many followers do you have on google plus uh well now i have about uh, i think 1200 and going on 1250 well,
2: that's a that's a decent amount of people that that's going out to with google plus yeah you know because it yeah yeah that's
0: good but you know you were talking about like well is anyone on google plus google yeah. plus to me is like there's more on it more yeah, people are yeah. on it and yeah. they write good comments so that's great great luck surface area then That's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, plus you can say a little bit more. Like, I feel like for Twitter, like, you have to come up with some amazing, amazingly clever quip to get any. But even then, you still kind of have to have already have kind of a good following to get for anything to happen from, create any ripples or like a ripple effect.
2: Yeah. I I think Twitter is much more lots of gradual things rather than one big thing.
0: Yeah. Whereas. Google Plus, I've just, I wrote two or three posts and you can write, you know, you can write these kind of barn Much as you want, yeah, yeah. So if I, which for me, it's better because I like usually like have something I actually want to write about, but I don't feel the pressure to write like a formal article.
2: Yeah, so you don't do all the re-edits and stuff with Google Plus? Because you like take five hours to write a normal blog post. No,
0: I mean, the the blog post, like, I mean, I spent a little time and I probably spent like an initial, I wrote in like a half an hour and then I kind of went back and cleaned it up. Maybe an hour.
2: Well, on Hacker News, um, what was the discussion like?
0: Was it was great? It, was you know, it a good
2: discussion on Hacker News?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was overall very positive, and and, and same in the comments. I mean, um, there were there was like one or two people who were actually just one guy was a little snarky in the comments on Google Plus, um, but you know, it's funny. It's people who have like zero followers have like five people. Yeah, they're like they'll act a little more snarky because they don't have any there's no social cost for them to act like I a jerk see, yeah, yeah, whereas people who have like well i have hundreds or thousands of people watching me i, I don't really want to act like a jerk because everyone's gonna go dude what's your problem <laughs> right you know so you can yeah. act like a yeah yeah so but most everybody else is very positive and it's not that i expect everybody to agree with me you know it's just a matter of like you know whether you're snarky or you're just so it.
2: on on hack like did you think the debate was better on hacker news or the debate was better in google plus
0: it was probably similar. I mean, there there were longer, there were um, there were probably the same. There was a couple. There was lo- there were long and short comments on both, okay. and interesting comment. Uh, interesting issues were raised on both. So here's what's the, the 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 couple of things that were like I think bring up that are worth discussion are, and it's, it's a lack of clarity in the definition. So when you say learn to code, what are you talking about? And and so. Some people have their mind like, are you learning to code like a professional level developer? Or are you learning to like write a little Scratch program? I'm like, what does that mean? So people have wildly different ideas in their head of what that might mean, and no one's clarifying it, mm. right? And so when people hear learn to code, like you know, they're like, well, what? You know, some if you're imagining just messing around with your kid, teaching them Scratch, and someone else is talking about teaching them C it's just they're different, they're entirely different things. Yeah. And the question is, are you talking about like preschool, kindergarten? Or are you talking about high school kids? Completely different. Yeah. Or middle school kids. I mean, it's not even the same discussion. But people aren't clarifying. Kids could be seven, year olds They could be 14-, 15-, 16-year-olds, right? Teaching kids in high school... So people needed clarification from you on that point? Well, I'm just saying that muddies the... the, It makes the debate very... um, It it causes friction because people get in in, in disagreements. And part of that disagreement is the fact that people... They're thinking
2: about two different things.
0: People are thinking about different things, and they start talking in generalizations. and, And you can tell they're not really thinking about, they may, may it's likely that they're not even thinking about the same thing. Yeah. And, um, and a lot of times we'll say, well, what's the best way to learn, teach kids to code? So that was one of the really interesting things is I got a lot of positive feedback because people, people that people want to applaud the fact that you and I are doing this. <laughs> they were actually doing it. I mean, cause a lot of people talk about like, well, I've been working with my daughter a couple of days. We've messed around or I taught at this little camp for a little while. It's like, no, we, we did for an entire year. You know, like <laughs> you're really trying, and mean, the question is, like, how long are you trying for? Like, what's the point? I mean, what's the end product of teaching them to code? What are kind of tr- number
2: are we on now? Session number
0: thirty-nine.
2: Thirty-nine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, the, so that's very different than if you did it for a, a couple weekends. Yeah. Right. Um. I mean, I was talking to uh Sophie's mom. Um, uh, Sophie's the kids are in her class, and and she's like, you know, I took her to this hacker space kind of things where the kids are supposed to be coding and there are lots of volunteers and stuff. And she said, it was just so like, nothing's really going on. It was just so unstructured. And it was just, was kind of useless. Yeah. And she could tell, she like, you know, wasn't that she had anything like the volunteers were obviously wanted to be helpful and people had a very positive, um, uh, mentality and people were trying to make it work, but it's just these one-off things where you just kind of show up and mess around for a couple hours and you kind of, show try and show a few kids a couple things and stuff it's like it's not not much, not much gets done right and it's kind of like it's kind of like if if i said oh uh, you, you know you'll learn music and you're just going to go for one day and and someone's going to show you how to put your hands on the keys for an hour and then then leave like well, what's really accomplished you know what i mean yeah nothing so and and as i've said my before my goal for catalyst is to get these kids to be to be empowered to build real stuff, you know, not just to, not just to... Well, you've achieved your goal. It. Well, they're getting there. They've
2: already built real stuff. I mean, it's out there in the real world.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but I I mean, I want them to go a couple of magnitudes beyond this in, within the next year or two. I mean, I think yeah. we're just getting started, so...
2: Well, I bet it's not long before Colby's building iPhone apps and stuff.
0: Uh, you know, maybe... A couple maybe years. A couple of years, couple of years. Yeah. but... In a couple of years, he'll be just turning 11, so that would be quite extraordinary yeah. <laughs> if these kids are doing that in a couple of years. I, I, I have no doubt. I mean, already where we're at, I can
2: project two years, and I'm like, yep, they're going to understand enough JavaScript to build using Titanium to build iPhone apps. Yeah, yeah. It won't no take problem. long.
0: The, the other thing, too, on as, as I, as, it wasn't just about, you know, we're talking about, like, what's the best way to teach kids and kids... in Because the, there was some pushback for some articles about, I think it was one guy who wrote this article. I saw it. It didn't get any votes on Hacker News, really, but uh, I happened to see it on the new page. And he's like, don't teach kids to code. <laughs> and he's basically saying, like, you know, why are we teaching all these kids to be software developers? It's kind of like teaching a trade. Like, you know, but it's like kids don't know how to code. Kids, the your normal run-of-the-day kid, average kid or average person doesn't need to code, know how to code. And I agree with that. Just like real, the reality is, and this is somebody who likes... Programming. Who likes math? The average person doesn't need to know calculus. They just don't. It just doesn't come up. So you agree with him or no? I, I mean, I think the average, most people should be just have a basic idea of how computers work. Just like should have a basic idea of how the world works, the basic idea of how the atmosphere works, or how chemistry. But you don't really know how to code. The vast majority of people don't know code. You you need to have basic digital liver- literacy. So basically, his tit- You
2: think his title should be "Don't Teach Kids to Code." Except the special ones who you think who probably should be taught to cook. It's
0: like this. It's like saying everyone should go out and and, and learn to pay, play the violin or something. I mean, it's it's more than that. But it's like there are kids you can tell are musical prodigies. They just they're attracted to it. They have amazing natural musical ability. They're like kids like that in sports. You just like you look at those kids. You're like, holy crap, the kid is an amazing athlete. And you're like, we should work with that kid, right? right. It just seems it just seems a shame to just sit there and let them mess around in the driveway themse- by themselves. You know, you're just like, like Colby and football. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want you kids who have just a fundamental natural ability. You just feel like and and a passion for it. You're like, it just seems like they're We should work with them. Right. The average kid, and I don't, I don't mean average is like mediocre. I mean, just most kids. It's just they're like, not into them, it. It's just they're not, not into big, it in the first place. Well, I mean, programming is like a thousand times harder than learning basic digital, digital literacy, like how to use Google and how to use Wikipedia and how to write an email and how to type, you know, that's easy. Yeah. And it's, and it's about that fraction or maybe not quite that fraction of people who are actually going to need to know how to cut for It's going to be useful in any degree, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you know, you could say it's, it's useful in the sense that it's like good to learn how to speak French or something for people who don't live in France. Ah, well, you know, it expands your, you know, linguistic a, a, a understanding of linguistics, or maybe a different culture, or whatever. But really, practica- practically speaking, unless you're going to go live in France, it's just not that it doesn't come up. Or learning Latin or something. It's just that that useful. But I mean, I know that it is a vocation. But
2: if you teach kids to code, I mean, at least at least they've had a little experience at it at some point. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because like when they're when they're 15 or 17 or 18 or 20 or whatever, and making some decisions. They'll kind of have that in the back of their mind, their experience. So that's quite a good aspect of it, even if you were to teach everyone to code. No?
0: I I just think the amount of effort that goes into it is unnecessary for most kids. Because I think the kids who are naturally attracted to it will gravitate towards it and give it a a reasonable shot at some point, maybe in high school, maybe in college. There will be kids who who would have been naturally good at it, but just because of some lack of opportunities or bad experiences in high school or college they bailed out you know and that will happen
2: how do you think they'll get into it through hacking like they'll they'll be playing minecraft and and they'll hear about people who can mod it or something like that and they'll start modding it yeah, themselves i just
0: think it's stuff like that they just if it, it's just this intuitive sense of sort of it seems kind of cool to them yeah so um i don't know so anyway i'm kind of in the same sense i'm kind of on board that like yeah i don't think i wouldn't like, I wouldn't go into the high school or the middle school and say, like, oh, we got to teach those kids to code. I just like, it's a waste of my time. It's just like, I don't really want anyone catalyst who isn't like 100% dialed in and sort of really naturally gifted towards this thing because it's like, it's just a waste of their time. Mm-hmm. They're going to give it up anyway. You know, let them go and, and, and do, you know, some other activity, any other numerous activities that are enriching. How do you them? feel about someone who isn't very talented at it, but really, really, really wants to do it? That's fine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but it's also, you also have to be careful about that because in, and I would use the analogy to sports. So when I would see like these club soccer teams and these kids who are, you know, three or four standard deviations out and they're so much better athletically and intuitively and understanding able to play the game than your normal kids. then you bring, you bring a kid or two out there who is at the level, they just drop the whole level down. Everything drops. They can't do it. They can't participate. They just screw up the drills. It's just, it's just a distraction. And it's better for them, it's better for everyone if, and I was talking to, because I know friends of mine who coach these teams. So, mm-hmm. in soccer, you have AYSO soccer, which is like, you just sign your kid up, and they get thrown on a team randomly and play, and that's what most kids play. And then, like, of those thousands and thousands of kids, you have a few teams in your city that would be what they call, the per age group, that will be a club team. So, you have, you know, 1% or something, Become club players. They practice twice a week, and you have to try out and really good. And then you have you know one or two in the entire L.A. area. They're academy teams, and mm. they practice three times a week and are re- have the best training. And they are really amazing, mm. you know. And if you took some AYSO kids and threw them on a an, an academy team, it would just be embarrassing and frustrating for everybody. Mm. You know, it's just not. It's not the right thing. It's like sticking a fifth grader in a calculus class. It's like this isn't helping the high school kids. It's not helping the fifth grader. It's just kind of frustrating and embarrassing for everybody. Like, let's put people at the level where they can be successful. Yeah. D- to use an example, so Colby was playing um, flag football for the first time last year. And the way they had the divisions lined up, he was one of the younger kids. And even though he's an athletic kid and he wasn't a coach's son, he didn't get to play quarterback or running back or linebacker. He had to play more of a generic lineman position and he was still did well and everything but this year it was like we could sign him up for that same league and the way they they changed it again so he would literally be the youngest kid in the league it was fourth through sixth graders and Kobe's in fourth grade but he's the age of most third graders so i'm like so he's gonna be playing his kids who are like 12 year olds so he's not gonna play quarterback he's not gonna be playing running back he's just gonna be kind of like one of the little guys like okay we'll give him an opportunity here and here But I put him in this other league where I'm like, okay, he will be on the older side. What what league? It's the South Pasadena YMCA flag football league. Brotherhood Crusade is the one he did before. Right. So, but now he's he's not the oldest, but he's in the order. I'd say he's on the oldest quartile, and now he's the guy. Like he's the ringer on the team. He plays quarterback and running back and linebacker, and he gets to be a leader. And his skills are developing really quickly. Now you don't always want to be the best because when you're the best. Like you don't have to push yourself as hard, but it does get an opportunity to be the go to person to lead and, and, and kind of do the positions that you wouldn't normally get to play. And, 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 likewise, if you're the youngest, sometimes it's helpful to kind of like learn how the big boys play, but then of course you don't get an opportunity to do much. And so anyway, I was just saying like, you, you, you want to put kids or in yourself at a place where you can participate Sometimes it's a little at the lower side. Sometimes it's a little higher side. But you don't want to be in a situation where you're fourth grade and you're playing against eighth graders. I mean, it's just stupid. So basically,
2: not completely at the top, not completely at the bottom, somewhere in the
0: middle. Oh, your favorite? (laughs) Well, no, because if Colby was somewhere in the middle, he still wouldn't be a quarterback. That's true. I was telling him. So it was funny. So we played a team last week. This team has been, this flag football team, that they had been together for like two years. And they Mm -hmm. practiced twice a week. And most of their kids were fourth graders. And you could tell they were like 10-year-olds. So Colby, so the most of them were year, like, you could tell were like a ha- head taller than Colby. Mm. And you could see how some of the quarterbacks were throwing. Like, holy crap, like these kids have played a lot of football. Yep. And they they were doing like college-type plays, like flea flickers and double reverses. Our kids were like, what? I mean, they literally lost their shorts a couple of times on these plays. Like <laughs> the whole team was running in the opposite direction of the ball. <laughs> and, if we, and the parents, we're all looking at each other like, this is not great. But I, t- but you know, we still did. It was still fun and good for the kids in, in a certain way, just to see, like, see, this is what happened. Yeah. This is this is how good you can get. This is how good you can get. And but I told Colby, had he played with that team, and, and there was a chance he could have, because his the coach was his assistant baseball coach, right? And at the beginning – and Colby practiced a couple practices at the end of the season, but they had already had their team together. But I said, it's lucky you didn't get a team, because you would not be playing quarterback, and you would have been just one of like. A handful of guys who were good, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know, and so you wouldn't play quarterback. You would have been the guy. <coughs> You've just been like one of guys, and but it's upper, It's I think it's important it's to like big fish so, in a little pond. I think I think you need to switch it back and up. Sometimes you need to be the the guy, and sometimes you need to be just one of the guys. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you learn humility. You learn what the next level is like. <laughs> nobody gives you any respect. You're like, oh god, I gotta get better. And then sometimes you get to be like they hand like it's the last shot, and they give you the ball and you're like it's up to you, and you're like, oh crap, it's up to me. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's good. Yeah. to have that variety.
2: That's a nice analogy.
0: So, um, all right. So what's, uh, that went on. I, I, well, are you,
2: I, did you have any, um, of your usual tech links?
0: Yeah. So I got a couple of things. Um, well, one thing I want to talk about. So one guy replied to, oh, I talked about the when I was talking about the VPS stuff with kids uh, inexpensive. expensive, there's a company called nitrous.io. Oh yeah. And they will give you, you, they have a free VPS and oh. you you can actually, um, they will create their virtual machine, or their virtual, they'll load it as either a node, or Python, or Rails. I think, or PHP. Oh, okay. Fully set up. Hmm. It's free, and it's like 384 megs of RAM, one, pro- one processor, like a gig of, I mean, really good. And plus, they have an in-browser editor, really good in-browser editor. And they have an SSH, and through the browser, they have an SSH. Um, What's the, the name? Window? Nitrous.io. Nitrous. I'll have a link to it. Um, now, I'm not going to use it for Catalyst just because I already have a bunch of kids set up in this other one. And I, I, it has a lot of visual coolness, but it's, it makes things a little too easy for them. Okay. Like, I, I don't want, to, I want them to get used to just raw command line in Vim. like Because otherwise, it obfuscates, like, what is, what is the baseline and what's all this other stuff? The same reason I'm not using jQuery. I don't want to, like, teach them jQuery and go, oh, by the way, this is just a library. Like, actually, the real stuff is below this. And they're mm-hmm. like, what? That <laughs> no, makes sense.
2: It makes sense to teach from the ground up. I, I agree.
0: Yeah. So, but, for, but for, for, fresh, for coders like us or students or people who are not to code who are like, I would just love to just go and experiment with a Node machine or Rails and just for free and have this really cool in-browser environment. So, um, I've been listening to uh, the audiobook Masters of Doom. Wow. About the uh, the id guys, John Carmack and John Romero, Romero the guys who created Doom and Quake. Oh, oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is really good. I guess, the, um, who was it? Jeff Atwood wrote a blog post um, about something like you don't have to you don't have to have millions or something like that was the title of the blog post. And he's basically talking about what a great book it was. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about how I'd sign up to Audible like a year and a half ago. And I get like on a credit every month or something like that or two credits every month. But I don't ever use it. So I'm like, I have a lot of free credits. Yeah. I should f- try and find an audiobook that I like. And what always happens is, or what has happened in the past is I find an audiobook that I don't get that into. And then I just lose metal on audio books. Where do
2: you listen to it? Like when you're tra- working out?
0: Well, I, I normally would listen to it while I was at the gym, but this is so good. I'm actually listening to it while I'm working. Oh, wow. And it's the kind of thing that occasionally sometimes I'll have to skip back and go, okay, well, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what did you guys say? What you, what was going on there? Yeah, but and like I was listening to it at lunch. I mean, it's really good, so I recommend it. It's, Why is it good? I mean, it's just entertaining. I don't know. I mean, it's I mean, I, you know, it's just a fascinating story about how they started it and they built up and they started these little you know what these guys like were before when they were kids and then how they how it was formed and how they they basically redefined vet, uh, games. I mean, the ones who. Who pioneered the first person shooter, Castle hmm. Wolfenstein three D or whatever and, yeah. and Doom and everything. And um I mean I'm up just to that part. I mean not that far into it, but it's it's read by Will Wheaton. Do you know who that is? Uh no, I don't. He was uh he was on Star Trek New Generation. That's one of your shows, right? He was one of the actors who was the young kid. Uh what was the kid? Um Oh oh Wesley Crusher. Is that the yeah, the character. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Will Wheaton I think is the That's funny. The, <laughs> yeah. So he's the one reading it. It's um Where's yeah, if you, if, you, if you have like an Audible subscription or whatever, you listen to audiobooks, Masters of Doom, it's definitely fun to listen to. Masters of Doom. I noticed that I am more productive if I have something to listen to that is interesting but not so content heavy that it distracts me that I can't get any work done. If yeah. this falls in that area, like a story like this. That's weird. I mean, I, I just I
2: couldn't something. possibly work while listening to any kind of audio whatsoever.
0: I mean, words. Like I can do it to music. But it really depends. I mean, there's only there's some kinds that I can't. Yeah. Um, you know what I was listening to for a while that actually uh, I just would get me into the zone was the Tron Legacy soundtrack oh, this, by Daft Punk. Oh, oh,
2: right, yeah, yeah, the the music.
0: Yeah, it, it was funny. It, the way that music is, it, it makes you feel. and It was funny because I was I was writing a. You know, I think I talked about this, writing genetic algorithms. Yeah. We were, and I was like, felt like I'm like I'm taking over the world kind of music, you know? Uh, you're like, ah ha. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's. Uh, but that's. Uh, that's really good. You know, the other thing, um, speaking of entertainment, so I, um, I had Colby watch uh, War Games with me.
2: Oh. Uh, what, what's that? That Yes, Professor Delkin. What is it? How does it go? Yeah.
0: Would you like what's, to you play a would game? Would you like to play a game? Professor, Professor Falcon. Professor Falcon. toe. Yeah. And, and uh, how about a nice game of Global thermonuclear War? And what, and what did Colby think? Loved it. It's funny,
2: yeah, because, like, even though they they look very outdated visually, some of these older films. Yeah, he said
0: it was a little old-fashioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, I generally like these more futuristic, but he's like, that was good. Yeah. And so, we had a great, great time watching it. In fact, it actually made him feel a little more excited about doing the command line stuff, because it looked like that.
2: Oh, right, okay.
0: You know? And then... Um, well, Jurassic Park looks like command line as well, if you look at any of the
2: computer oh, stuff they do. Gra- well, they
0: have those, those Silicon graphics.
2: No, but I mean, any any computers, like, they have they, they show a picture of the fat guy operating the, the computer. Yeah, yeah. What's it's, the guy's it's always name? Unix.
0: was the guy's name it's from Unix. Uh, Seinfeld?
2: A string of really weird Unix commands that don't make any sense.
0: yeah. Newman. He played Newman at Seinfeld. <laughs> Hello, Newman. <laughs> and, um, so I said, all right, I was trying to think of another thing that we could watch together. What, what is he old enough to watch? That's not gonna be too scary that he might like. That's maybe from the eighties or something. And so I had him watch uh, close encounters of the oh, Third kind with me. That's good. So we were only halfway through it. We had to stop it because it was bedtime that night, but, uh, well, what about Ender's games coming out soon? Oh yeah. Well, he, he read the whole book.
2: Oh yeah.
0: Okay. Fortunately, oh, I don't know if we have time because, um, uh, James Jensen, who's a listener, emailed me about it. And he said, by the way, you should have Colby read Ender's Shadow, I think it's called. Really good. Because the movie covers Ender's Game and Ender's Shadow. Oh, oh. It's kind of a combination oh. of both. So okay. I might get Colby to get started on that. He's reading another book for school, but I might say, you know, put that on hold, read Ender's Shadow. Because, but I don't know if we have time, because uh, I want to take him on like opening day or pretty much. That would be cool. Yeah. well, he'll be like very
2: you know, happy to go on opening
0: day. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll go up in the arc light and see it there. It'd be nice. So, um, I thought that was kind of, kind of cool. Um, let's see what else I got here. Are you, have you started watching walking dead? The new ones that are coming on? Yeah.
2: Is it good? Is it still good?
0: Yeah. I like it. You know, I was, um, I was looking at the, um, I was looking at the uh, the viewership numbers on Wikipedia. Like, yeah. you, know, you go on the Wikipedia for a show and they'll show, I mean, like everything. And one of the things they show is like each year, in each episode, how many millions of viewers they yeah. have. And so it's like the the difference between the year and the previous year, it would like double that difference each year. And <laughs> so now it opening, like the very first season the premiere premiered at like 4 million, whereas this year it premiered at 16.1 million. And that did not include the... Um, the people who DVR'd it like me. That's just incredible. And it took a little bit of drop. This last one has been like around 14 million. But The think, episode. Yeah, but I think the reason that is, and that you saw it with all the shows, and I think that is is because a premiere for a show is an event. Right, right. You've been looking for it for so long. But after that, you're like, okay, I I want to watch it on my schedule. I'll catch up on it, yeah, on my schedule, yeah. And so I think it's not the fewer people are watching, it's just the, yeah.
2: yeah it's amazing like that's it's a different way i don't think that they that ever happened i mean i think this is a new phenomenon to right. grow in that way
0: all right because it has
2: it has the lock surface it has the lock surface area to use your term of netflix and hulu and all these other places that it goes out on so people can catch up that's why that could never happen before
0: i don't know if it's exactly a lock surface area but i see what you mean there's definitely more ways for people to to get into it later but yeah it's it's kind of you know yeah. and um X-Files is like that. It started off kind of small and it grew. Oh, things it? That are, well, things that are like have a cult following, the things mm-hmm. that start off and like, it's not a big mainstream show, but it's so good that the word starts to get out yeah. and it starts to grow. And it doesn't happen that often, obviously, because most shows aren't that good. But yeah, um, yeah I like it. I mean, I'm. Uh, in fact, I got to watch the show recorded last night. I'm, I'm like, you know, you like to save it. Sometimes you're like, I'm just going to save it for just the perfect time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so speaking of... um. The Lux Surface Area. Um, uh, Duncan Murtaugh, who's a uh, listener, he has a site I think uh, called Vetter, GetVetter.com. Okay? Mm-hmm. So he emailed me a while back. I mentioned this that there was a the Startup Digest newsletter that goes out. That had mentioned Lux Surface Area as as something that people should read. Yeah. And uh, I guess so. He emailed me again this morning, and he said, "Hey, check it out. Like, I guess um, there's a, a, web, a podcast called Bootstrapping with Kids." Where they talk about look surface area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I haven't listened to it. Have you listened to it? Are you, no, but uh, I've heard about it. Yeah. So I haven't changed to listen to it because it just happened, it just sent me the link this morning. Oh. But the look surface area is just one of those little meetings. It just kind of keeps going. Oh, that's going to go all the way. Going, yeah, going. It'll, be, it'll become part of like tech law. That's funny. So the thing about what's interesting is I said, you know, that, well, that blog post has a lot of life in it. The one that I consistently get the most benefit from is the one about why, how I quit algorithmic trading and yeah. do web startups. That's the one where I get... You get like two inbound. emails a day. Well, no, no. It's not like that. I mean, sometimes I'll get like one a week for a month, and then I won't you know, it'll be a week or two and I get much get oh. like a couple. But that's a lot for like years yeah. later. But you know what it comes in? To, a lot of times what it is is people wanting me to build systems for them. Mm-hmm. So actually, I'm in conversation with a high-frequency trading firm out of Switzerland that but that's exactly to- what the
2: blog post is about that you don't want to build those systems anymore. <laughs> that's
0: what's so funny about it, it's, it it's, ironic. it's It's almost
2: like as if you're a girl who said no i don't want to date you and like now everyone wants to date you
0: <laughs> <laughs> i know i mean i guess it has that sort of um that reverse you know using reverse psychology yeah like you know you can't i'm too good for this you can't come in our restaurant i'm not gonna yeah. be like what do you mean? I can't go into a restaurant. I can't go into a restaurant. I'm cool. No, no, or you can't get in this club or I don't know. As soon as you like put up like you, the New York line, like everybody wants to come in. Now, I don't think that's just really the case. I think what happened is the way people read it is they go. Okay. The way this guy's talking about it, it sounds like he's done a lot of stuff and he understands how to do this stuff. And they read, they, and they do a little more research on my website and they can tell when I talk about past projects that I've done some, a lot of work in this field. And, when I say that I'm out, I'm not going to do it. I, th- I think the impression like, okay, so he, they're like Jason never was able to get a real financial return on the time put into this. Our project is an exception because we can pay him well, or we can do something that will make it worth his while. Mm-hmm. I think that's how people- it's how they think about are, it. Are thinking about it. Like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, I, you know, I can see it's a hard, you know, it hasn't worked out, but- you should talk to us.
2: So you've got, you've got another project on the potentially. Yeah. You know, um just consulting though, or
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, so I, I told them uh, I said, you know, I, I, I can work to one of two ways. one, I can just do the um, hourly sort of advice consulting and we can talk about what you're trying to build and I can give you advice on how to build it and what technologies to use and how to prioritize it and whatever, all those things. And then just getting down the nitty gritty of like, okay, how do you interface the data feed and how should you do, do, build your order manager and, you you know, that kind of stuff. But I said, or if you want, I said, I can actually build, build, start building your systems. I said, if we're starting from the ground up, you know, we could start with something small, which is what I would suggest is let's get something up and simple in trading. Like it doesn't have to be this ultra high frequency sub millisecond optimized thing. In fact, really what you want to do is you want to build something that, you know, you're following sort of the eighty twenty rule. Or you know where it's like okay let's just get something that's doing these things you want to do that it isn't your systems don't do and you know whatever I mean it's the kind of stuff that most people write software eventually figure it out like <laughs> yeah. don't try and swallow swallow a watermelon mm-hmm. you know <laughs> it's it's not going to be pretty for anyone watching it's not going to be enjoyable for you <laughs> like just take small bites mm-hmm. you know um, you can you can consume an entire watermelon just do it over a period of a few days <laughs> in like little pieces so. Um, Anyway, they seem like really nice guys. Um and uh you know, I'm going to do a follow-up call with them tomorrow, but um yeah, but that's again a result of that blog post. It's just amazing. It's just it's just amazing. Which the whole what? thing started at whole thing started as a Google Plus post. I was answering um, Yeah, that was Google Plus. Who's I uh, question I was answering it was um he he's the fake name for the longest time. We used to joke about it. Oh, uh Bam, what, Bams. Bams, yeah. The Bam's asked a question. He's like, well, if you don't know work in this field, why are you quit? And so Mopalinda
2: I said, yeah, that's happened to me as well. But um, the biggest post that I get is the one about being suspended. The, the Yelp, the Yelp post. Yeah. Basically how I lost 2000 bucks on Yelp. <laughs> like I get like maybe once a week an email Someone no, really? saying, yeah, oh, I feel for you, man. I feel for you. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, but it doesn't doesn't lead to work. But it does, it leads to, you know, people sending in. Although, you know what? Easy Easy SQL has got a lot over the years, I think. That yeah. that project, which is just a small project. So
0: that was your best luck surface area thing, Yeah, right? That's yeah. created the most. Look it, it, it's the best luck surface
2: area because, well, like I said before, everyone on the planet who's used the internet has been served a page. From Easy SQL. From e- that, that has involved the Easy SQL software. Because, because it's in WordPress. Because WordPress uses it. Right. Internet, right. <laughs> so that's kind of cool um but it, it it does get a lot of love and it, it's got a few you know Git Git pull requests as well which is kind of cool mm-hmm. you know people come on you know but
0: whatever happened to that person it was like some female developer came and rewrote the whole thing in a different well i didn't
2: i i, I didn't really look at i mean she, good luck to her she's forked it she's re, she's redone the whole thing in her own way and that's fine that's that's her project now that's right. not easy sql anymore right you know what i mean right right yeah i think that's the way i feel about it
0: do you have any other open source work that you've done, or is that pretty much it? Uh, double dollar. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, nobody's taking you up on that. No, no,
2: that's. I think that's very um, idiosyncratic. Very idiosyncratic. Yeah. Well, but uh, do you think you'll ever release any open source?
0: I don't know. I've written so much software over the years that probably could have been useful, but I don't. It, it's not a really good use of my time. I, th- I feel like open source software. It's one of those things that if you're in school or you have a full-time job somewhere else, then you want to work on some other fun thing on the side, that's a great thing to do. I don't think if you're trying to launch uh, you know, a, 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 other projects that it's really worth your time. I don't I think understand the psychology
2: of open source. I mean, I know that I've made open source because I did this little piece. So I, I can understand the psychology of doing a little library because even from doing a little library, that really taught me about documentation and it taught me about customer support mm-hmm. and all that. But what I don't understand is, I don't know, VLC, right? You know, like, you know, mm-hmm. VLC, the video playing yeah. system? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's what, like 25, 30 guys working on that. Mm-hmm. Each one's working on a tiny little subcomponent and someone's got to maintain the entire thing. And like, like, customers get pissed off about open source just like they do anything else and they're going to submit support requests and it's going to be irritating. Like, why... What, you know? what's the motivation to work that hard for something that you're probably not going to get any financial return? Maybe BLC, they do get financial return, but there's a lot of projects where there's just, there's nothing, there's no return, you know, and it's just through the sheer goodness that you do it. Like, what's the...
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's all kind of different types of motivations people have. Some people, it's just the idea of contributing to something mm-hmm. big, bigger than themselves, exciting, especially when they're newer to software development. Sometimes... People, they might work at a company or have their own company. they like, we need this software to work. Mm-hmm. And so, but we don't have the time to make it as awesome as it could be. Maybe we put it out there and other people will help us make it better. Yeah, but
2: what, what's their motivation?
0: Well, to get, you know. The, you, the
2: first thing you said.
0: About joining. Yeah, just, bigger, just kind of. Well, sometimes when you're like a young developer, it's like. You know, it, it, first of all, it, it's good for the resume, right? Like you've contributed open source. a lot the of times these startups will say, we're going to look on your GitHub and want to see what open source projects you've contributed to. So it's kind of like a resume builder. But right? it's also
2: like people people kind of rely on open source software. Like I know I do. Sure. Certain, we all, so, do. we so, all do. So, so
0: I kind of rely on open source software
2: and I hope that these guys, you know, I don't know, if uh, Mac OS X releases Maverick, Maverick, whatever, I hope that the open source software that I use is upgraded to work to Mavericks, and I'm completely relying on that. You mm-hmm. know, so it's like there's this implicit, implicit relying on it, but I'm totally not a customer. Yeah, you know, like how how does that all work? It makes no sense. It makes no sense that someone like me should rely on them doing doing more work to their project that they don't get paid for
0: that they're just doing. Yeah, but because, because I said <laughs> they're 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 getting things out of it that aren't directly money. Some feel like they're building for the resume. Right. Mm-hmm. like they, 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 they can say, I've had experience with this project, with this technology. I was a, you know, if you're a contributor to some big project that raises your value. Right. Um, it raises your profile, makes you get connections. Maybe sometimes a community, like I want to get in and work with community people who are working on this cool stuff that I think is cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this stuff is particularly appealing when people are younger and they don't, you know, a picture. I mean, this is just a stereotype, but, you know, sometimes you'll invent a customer con- when you create a startup, like okay, here's our customer Sally, and Sally does this mm-hmm. right. Well, so here's our programmer Joe. Joe is 24 <laughs> years old. He's a couple years in this in his in his career. He wants to learn more about distributed programming, so he found a really interesting distributed programming project. So he started contributing and working on this. You know, and they just you know he's got a full time job, but he works on a night because maybe his job is is interesting, but it could be cooler, and he wants to move more into this field. So one way to kind of move into a slightly different field is to get some expertise in a technology in which he wants to work. And by contributing to Open source, it allows him to do that. Do you think there's... And he meets people I, I like who what work you for said. A company, work in the, yeah. in, the, in the people who are also contributing, work for the kind I of companies... I guess it's like surface Area
2: for a start. Exactly Lux surface it Area. Is. It's exactly what yeah. it is. Yeah. Lux surface Area. So it's sort of like blogging in a way, but, but just only in a very small way.
0: But it's highly targeted because if you're working on a project that has a bunch of other people who know about a category of technology or a technology that you want to work on, They get to know you. They get to trust you. And if you do good work, they get to respect you. And then if you say, hey, you know, I know you're working at such and such company. I would love to work there. You guys have any openings? Or they may just reach out to you and say, hey, you're doing good work, by the way. Would you be interested to move into our city and working with us on that stuff? Do you think there's a little
2: aspect of gamification with it? You know, like I got my lines of code in there versus these other people?
0: Sure. Yeah, it's like, well, it's, it's just like the resume. You know, it's like I got my, you know, badge i'm a core contributor of this or that technology but right? i mean
2: with git with github you know it's you can almost quantify how much code you're getting in there right so you could say oh i've got you know a thousand lines of code in there or something like that it's almost like a number it's a number
0: yeah and i think it's also way i mean so there's, there's only a certain type of there's a certain okay i've number of not everyone likes to blog or write and not uh, i mean people are really good at it Yeah, you know, they mm-hmm. try it and it's kind of painful I mean, writing's hard, mm, yeah. you know, and it's very time consuming. And even if you get yourself to do it, writing something that actually a lot of people want to read, that's really hard because there's so many people writing stuff that they're trying to get attention. So, a lot of, if you, if all these programmers are like, if the advice that all these programmers are getting like, oh, I should go out and, 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 and start blogging about the stuff that I'm doing, a lot of them are just like, oh, I just can't do it. I wrote one blog post and nobody read it and you know, and you could see it's be very easy to get discouraged and frustrated. But what they do like to do is write code. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's like, okay, well, well, you know, I, I'm gonna go contribute to these projects that I think are interesting. And guess what? A lot of people who I think are interesting and are working on cool stuff who I like, who and the who are the kind of people I'd like to work with I've and never know about, about me. The social aspect me. before
2: yeah. the social aspect is very key, isn't it? I mean, you really are. It's like a, it's like a a group of people, a group of friends, just waiting for you. You know, re, you know new friends, just, just there, like just ready to be made. You just join this group and all of a sudden you're on the, you're Skyping with these people.
0: Yeah. And they get to know yeah. you, but that, but also the leverage leverages from a, for professional into mm. professional opportunities. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, it hasn't happened to me personally, cause I haven't really engaged with, with open source on that level. I mean, if I had started out younger, maybe I had done that, but then again, then again, I started my <laughs> own company right at the gate. So all my energy was 100% focused on, working on my company. Right. But had I been working at for another company, you know, maybe I would have done that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah,
2: Does that make sense? Yeah. Good. I don't know. That's yeah. my
0: theory. Whatever. So let's see. What else we got here? Um, I got... So I just want to put a little shout out too, to... to. Uh, I mentioned James Jensen. He's the one who emailed me about the um, Enders game. And oh, yeah. Kind of stuff. So um, he created... I don't think I had brought this up, but he... Uh, if I t- if I talked about this on the previous show, just tell me. But he um, he designed his own uh, circuit board on Upverter and shared it, and had it manufactured, sent off, and manufactured. Did I tell you about that? No. Yeah. So an up- Upverter, you just like CircuitIO and CircuitLab, you can. It's like a web-based circuit designer and simulator. So you can lay out all your components and you know simulate and test them for certain things. But then what you can also do is you can lay out the um, the PCB, the printed circuit board layout, and have and have it shipped off, and then and a company will manufacture the board and send
2: you, it to you. You did a competition up for Upverter when you were in San Francisco, was it?
0: Oh, well, it was just a like a, ha- a hardware hackathon hosted by uh, Upverter. Upverter, right? So right. I went up there. Obviously, I don't know enough about circuit board design to yeah. really engage okay. it. I was just going through some tutorials, hanging out with the guys there. But um, James actually has learned enough to do it on his own, and hmm. he showed me a circuit board, and I was like, that is so damn cool. Like, I want to know how to do that. Mm. Um, and he's been, he's been doing something similar to catalyst where he lives. And I can't remember where he lives. It's like Montana or something. It's, it's a remote and, but they, but they have a bunch of kids and they're teaching them electronics and with lessons and challenges and all that kind of stuff and Arduino stuff. And, um, so he's in order to teach them has kind of been going, you know, a few steps ahead on his own and yeah. learning more and more. And so, I was like, dude, you gotta teach, like how do I learn this stuff? Like I've been reading some of it, but it's still, there isn't a really good mechanism for learning this stuff. Cause like the books that I find that are, that explain it, there's no problems, there's no solutions. It's just kind of. You found that same problem with the biological learning. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. And, um, so he what he does he sent me he's like all right here's your homework and he sent me a big like project and i was like oh crap. oh no <laughs> like, i want to do it i just don't have i don't know if i quite have that's the time. cool though but it's
2: nice nice of him to send that
0: well he's really friendly he's like hey anytime you, you while, should uh sure. like
2: he should turn that into a blog post or whatever you know tutorial did you hear about um the, the talk about grace gray silicon the problem with gray silicon
0: oh like so we're in this problem where a lot of the transistors are just so, like so utilized so basically we've
2: um single core was the way we were we were keeping up we were keeping up with Moore's law we were making we were finding ways to double double the chips on single core right
0: double the transistors and, double transi-
2: and that's that was the direction we were going in Moore's law but right. what did I say Moore's law right I said Moore's law yeah yeah okay. so but then at some point we kind of decided collectively a better idea would be to do multicore. Right? But now somehow in between the, the those multiple cores there's this kind of dark grey silicon that's just unused. And if you do the math and you compute it, it's it's unlikely that it's going to keep up well actually it's it's one researcher who's saying that this is one of those times when you're going to yeah, say well, okay I, give me don't, don't give me this pseudoscience get quote 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 all right fine i'll find no 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 i actually
0: i read that article the guy's from georgia tech right President, and, and okay. he was talking about like how do we we need to we he, he wants to go back
2: f- to single single chip architecture single core
0: um well actually he proposed a few different um uh solutions one was Neurologic, oh yeah, uh, yeah, neurological computing units. Another was using actually sort of like biological computing material. I mean, all kind of different, kind of crazy ideas. Basically, saying like it's going to be have to. We're going to have to do something different in a different way. We're running this this thing that we're trying to do is we can prove mathematically is running into a ceiling mm. re- re- very quickly, and the the people on the front line of research in this field all have the same sense that yeah this is this is we're hitting a ceiling like this is it's an issue this is a brick wall we're hitting a brick we're gonna be hitting a brick wall pretty soon was, i don't know if pretty soon is like three years or eight years or whatever but uh, it's, there
2: was a hacker news comment about someone who said someone said i don't know why he didn't mention memristor as memristors yeah. memristors is a possible another possible avenue so i had a little look at that website that seems kind of interesting like it's a cross between uh, i guess a cpu and memory
0: yeah, memristors was like I remember reading about this too. It's like this: so you have you have certain categories of um, of uh, of electronic computing um, units or whatever. So you have transistors and diodes and things. Well, this was like the one like if you did, drew out a table of what they did and how they worked, there was and you did a table of it. There was a missing piece, something that should work this certain particular way and then some guy eventually invented campus concept of Mem rested. okay completed the it's a
2: transistor and it's a memory it's like it's, it's memristor
0: yeah 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 it's, so, it's cool i don't know much uh, about yeah. it but
2: but anyway yeah i thought that, that whole piece was interesting and um, sort of bring it up there
0: you know it reminds me of, of there's um, they you know back uh, in during the 40s i think in the early 50s they had they had uh, analog computers before mm-hmm. digital computers and um, and I don't think they worked, like, on a clock. And they were actually... Valves, were they? Well, they have vacuum tubes and stuff. Yeah. But even, you know... So, like, a lot of the ones that would collect, that would compute, like, you know... Um, they were doing, like, the... Um, uh, the I don't know what the... Uh, the firing tables, like, you know, tables for, like, how they position their artillery, you know? Um, and also, like, calculating um, nuclear reactions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a great... Um, Oh, okay. God, what was his name? Uh, Dyson. I remember um, Freeman Dyson's son. I can't remember his name. He wrote a great book about this. But, but basically, about the history of the computer. Mm-hmm. And the digital computers, I mean, the analog computers were what existed that were used back then, but they were extremely fast in what they did. So they're apparently, they're way more efficient for. Like, if you try to use a digital computer at that time, if they tried to do it in that way, even if they had transistors, it would, would not have been nearly as fast. <laughs> so, like, but I guess. I mean, I don't know if it's because it's not as flexible, because it's, it doesn't follow the sort of standard von Neumann architecture and or whatever. But these analog computers were way, way faster with it, without using a clock. Hmm. I mean, I'm not an expert in uh, computer architecture, it's so I can't. You know, I don't really understand it that well. But and then I did, I, I did some reading on it, and the, and I, or I happened across an article was talking about how DARPA has been funding some projects about using like a new generation of analog computers that would be vastly more efficient and faster than uh, our current digital computers. It's amazing how there's these cycles. You come back and you revisit things from the past. Like, yeah. okay, it's like, well, it's kind of these evolutionary dead ends. And then you come back and you have new types of technologies. And maybe we can take that approach. You're thinking about, you're you're thinking. Thinking about old things. Yeah. I, I, so I, it's funny that you mentioned that. So if I look back on, uh, I'm looking at my... Uh, Oh, it was one of your links? Yeah, well, no, it was just one of my previous shows. Oh, at okay. a wiki, uh, At a, at a on Wikipedia, open to analog computer, and I was just starting to read it. And there was another one. I don't know how I happened across this. Oh, I think it's because of reading that one article you brought up about, and it was, they were talking about spintronics. Oh, the mem- the Memristor article? No, but the first one about how we're running into a, oh, yeah. a, right, a right. gray silicon article. Yeah. And it's like, spintronics, also known as magnetoelectronics, is an emerging technology exploding both the intrinsic spin of the electron. And its associated magnetic moment, moment, in addition to its fundamental electronic charge, in solid-state devices. So apparently, this is a whole new thing. <laughs> that looks really cool too. But um, so let's see. Let's see. I want to grab a couple more. Yeah, articles. let's do a couple so, more, and then uh, then we we'll wrap up. Call it a call it a show. So let's see here. Um, there was an article on NPR that says that IQ isn't set in stone. Suggest Study that finds big jumps, dips in teens. So basically, what they're saying is, when they test kids who are younger and they test them then like three or four years later in high school, like they're having massive jumps and drops in IQ, (laughs) which is weird because usually they would they would have expected that there might be a you know five point drop or, or or you know might rise five points just because of statistical inaccuracy or whatever. But as it turns out. Kids are like going from like 127 IQ to barely above average, or barely above average to like a the 120s or something. That is weird. And they did MRIs, I think it was of the brain, or CAT scans or something of the brains, and the brain structure changed. Equivalent. So the kids who had significantly higher IQ adjustments had significantly different structural brain changes. Wow. Well, like, did, was there any clarity on what the structure of the brain was that they didn't get into that? I mean, you know, there there are probably some studies that try and
2: because I always wonder if is there like a thing that you can eat or an exercise that you can do like I had to discuss, you know, <laughs> that could just change the brain to make it clever.
0: I mean, the only thing that they're saying is they're a theory, and that's all it is. Is that you know more rigorous education may contribute to a rise in IQ, but.
2: But know. like, what what would contribute to a, a dip in IQ? Just watching TV all day long, or something?
0: Well, it turns out that watching TV, your brain isn't shut off like they used to say. Your brain goes to mush watching TV. Your brain is very active. You're watching TV, huh. so that's kind of a little bit of an old wives' tale. Oh, okay. Um, that your brain is doing nothing. You know, I mean, <laughs> I don't think you're. It's doing a lot more than if you were just sitting here just watching the trees. Yeah. You know, you're because well, you're thinking about a plot, and you're like, I hope this is interesting. You know, I hope this is going somewhere. You're analyzing. Good. You're predicting. You're trying to guess. You're trying to yeah. you're making. You're synthesizing information, um, so I don't know. But they have this thing. It's called the Flynn effect, and it talks about and, and there's a guy. This is the name of the researcher. I don't know his first name, but Flynn is his last name. And he he he. Um, Errol? No, not Errol. <laughs> and this is. And I think this the Flynn effect was first documented and researched. To, you know, this is a while back, probably okay. thirty years ago or something. And although I, I I I did notice that there was a TED talk given by him mm. on the point effect, fact, but effectively like they have to change the IQ test like every five or 10 years, because as a society we get smarter, like people who would have scored 120 or something on an IQ test in the forties would be like doing a hundred IQ now or something like that. Like substantial increase in IQ. And um, I don't know if they've, if they boiled it down to how they can explain it. Is it that, we do more things now that are more close, that closely resemble the kind of problems and pattern matching that you find on an IQ test. Yeah. Have you ever taken an IQ test? Uh, not that I'm aware of, no. Okay, so they'll have the things like, you know, they'll show patterns and shapes and patterns and numbers and words, and they'll have you like, you know, what's the fourth shape should be or which shape doesn't match or go in this group or, you know, and then other things like, you know, if you do like a, a more in-depth IQ test with like a... Um, a psych- a psychology um do they have math questions no no it's pure logic and stuff huh. but like they'd be like okay i'm gonna read out 10 numbers you know, or, or i'll start with four numbers five seven nine two repeat them back to me five right. seven nine two okay six four three seven two five six four, okay now you get longer now let's do them backwards yeah yeah, so yeah how many can you repeat to them or how many can you repeat backwards think gets harder and harder yeah and i think that goes into like Trying to understand what they call G, which is like your your uh, general intelligence, or it's kind of like the core of the intelligence, mm. and that is kind of like your working memory. So working memory. Wow, so it's it really is d- like
2: a diagnostic, like it's like a computer diagnostic.
0: Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. So like, well, you know, it's like people who have um, who have a, a lot of working memory, kind of like a lot of RAM, who can keep more numbers and ideas in their head at one time, are are more able to manipulate ideas, solve problems better. Huh. You know which makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. So i never thought about
2: it that way before though. Like, like it could be compared to okay, like a computer uh, diagnostic test. That's really weird.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, but that's just one thing. I mean, they have all kind of, um, so there are, there are the standard IQ tests that people would take to like, like, and like public schools, if they're going to test you to be in and see if you go into the gifted and talented mm-hmm. or the opposite, the, the, um, learning disabled or whatever. So they give you these IQ tests and those are like an hour, hour and a half long, hour long test. And you sit in a room and it's like multiple choice and you go through with all these patterns. But if you do it with a, um, uh, like they also do it where you have like, they'll do that, but they'll also have an interviewer doing some working with you and trying to ask you these questions and stuff.
2: Hi, my name's Jason. I'm running on 2.6 megahertz of RAM, and I've got <laughs> a 25 megabit memory.
0: <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah, three cores are down currently. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's funny. <laughs> no, this, this just reminds me of this. What you say just reminds me of this, but I I, I wrote Ace, uh, this trading software for... Um, uh, this hedge fund that I was part of back in 2000 was called it's actually the name for Cobalt the name of my soccer team came from it was right. Cobalt Trading Yeah, and uh, it was this distributed system and how it's components on the network all running and doing everything in real time and and I was like it would know, be cool as if like you had uh, audible kind of um, alerts and stuff that stuff is going on like you know if trades happening or a bunch of stuff got rejected or some system is down like you're not always sitting there looking at the computer but yeah. you need to be alerted and this is before people had iPhones or Android phones, right? A long time before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you, you know, and you could be just on the other side of the the office, whatever. So I, I recorded Sandy, you know, I said, all right, here's what you say. It's like, all systems engaged. <laughs> ITX engaged. All systems operating. You know? And so I had her do it and she, it was perfect. It sounded just like out of the movies yeah. like that. And so I I oh, I um I sent the uh, I installed the new latest version that that night and the next morning the guys turned on and it says ITX engaged. All systems operating. And they're like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> freaking out Perfect. like what is that but they're like man that voice is sexy <laughs> nice But it was so funny when you have like a, a a computer speaking you know it just seems so futuristic there's a new movie
2: about that right now there's really? a movie about that about a, about basically ai um just in your regular computer and your regular mac has got to the point where it can be really you know mm-hmm. uh conscious and it's about a guy falling in love with his his ai right yeah Seems like a stretch, but it, no, it's it's a it's like it's a rom R- com. It's right, a rom com between a right. computer and a man.
0: So I imagine you and uh, you and uh,
2: no, uh, I haven't seen it yet. Detroit, uh, uh, see, uh, but I'm sure yeah. you guys are gonna go see it, probably. Right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, we're gonna go see it. Um, All right. Um, so let's see. I let me just see here. I got one or two more things. I just want to make sure I don't miss. So, um, oh, on the tech side, uh, there was something. Washington uh, University of Washington has come up with a, a battery-free wireless device that works purely on um, backscatter um, energy. Hmm. So like all the, all the um, I guess, the radio waves and things that are floating around, like it can just use that as energy and then a battery to operate. Ambient backscatter, I think is what they call it. That's cool. That is super cool, isn't it? What, what level See? of energy does it get? Apparently it doesn't need much, but I guess if you... But when if you, you say
2: you, wireless device, like what... what like, like
0: you could just have this little tiny circuit just sitting somewhere and it doesn't need a battery and you, and, and, and so it can be run forever and there's just, with all the wireless traffic... But what, stuff, what does it do? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like this was transmitting information to another wireless device. You have it do anything you want. I mean, I guess if it's like, maybe it's a micro, maybe it takes pictures, maybe it takes temperatures, maybe it does, I don't know. So so it
2: it, it, it could gather enough energy to like move a little motor or something to take a picture
0: maybe you had like a, a bunch of these tiny little things as kind of like accelerometers almost so if anything is moves like oh we're alerted like holy crap this thing just moved we're, we're testing for you know instability in the foundation of this building or something
2: I don't, I, I don't know the thing about that story that i'm interested in is is it got energy from nothing that's really interesting. well no it gets
0: energy from something it gets it from the Wireless. Oh, from the other wirelesses around. Yeah, so all because you know how like when uh, we, okay. we try and we, we turn on catalyst, we turn on yeah. computers, and you see like thirty yeah. wireless networks yeah. going in. Not to mention everyone's cell phones and three G signals, it's interesting, stuff yeah. going through the I get radio it. I waves. Get it. So apparently, amazingly, it can actually convert
2: that back to I mean, energy. That
0: seems like science fiction to me, almost. Yeah, doesn't it? That is freaking cool. Yeah, that God. is awesome. Nice. Yeah. So, um just going back to the last couple of things. So, um, oh, I'll do a little, um, I'll just touch on the, uh, letters from the dark side. Oh, here we go. No, we're not, here it, won't we go. Long, it won't be long, but okay. there's a, there was an article, I haven't finished reading it yet. I just started, it was called, but I, I read another article, which is sort of a synopsis of it. And the, the tech dirt article called the real danger of Snowden and Manning, the U S can't get away with its powerful hypocrisy anymore, which is, you know, cause you the u.s we tend to go around when we talk we keep talking about democracy and freedom and democracy and freedom and human rights and all that stuff but then of course we overthrow regimes and assassinate people and drone strike and surveil people and do a lot of yeah. pretty thing nasty things that really
2: <laughs> europe have like like the, certainly the european leaders about their their own cell phones being bugged have been pretty
0: pissed with america right yeah well this is one example we're yeah, I'm right, and like yeah. So the latest news has come out this week. I mean, you're, you know, this, this keeps leaking out, or keep the latest things that have been published about, you know, seventy million, you know, Italians and fifty million Germans, and you know, basically all the Europeans have been spied on. I mean, not just the metadata, but the I think the content. Of a lot of their communications have been sucked up, like just that in one month, millions of people's, you know, and then bugging their all the leaders' cell phones. I mean, basically. The U.S. is surveilling everybody and so, not just not people who are just enemies or viewed as so you so the U.S. would would categorize North Korea and Iran as enemy states. Yeah. Right. It would categorize China and Russia as rivals. Like they're not enemies, but they're rivals. Like we're competing well, to Italy. Them. A friend. Italy is an ally. I mean, it's an ally, right? <laughs> now, there may not be an ally like Great Britain It's an ally, but it's like there's your best BFF like <laughs> England is our B- BFF right? I mean, I would That's say, say I yeah, would I say think England, it's true. Yeah. England's our BFF.
2: England's our BFF. Yeah. I mean, whereas like,
0: Canada's like our roommate. <laughs> you say? Like we know them really well. We like them. We have a problem, but it's not our BFF. We don't hang out with them every day like England.
2: God, you should do a Google Plus about that. <laughs> like just just categorizing each, each country. France is our frenemy. Yeah.
0: France is a guy like. We like France, but they <laughs> piss us off all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the France, I was kind of like, like, France has the same opinion, right? The France is like, eh, you know, like, we like Americans, but at the same time, we, we're not so crazy about it. Who would be our, our, like, you know, in Seinfeld? And, they have- and I don't say like you and I in particular. I'm just talking about if you had to sum total, particularly what I'm talking about is the U.S. government's perspective on them. Yeah. Not, not us as U.S. citizens, because, you know, we're fine with all of these people, but who it's is, like-
2: Who is our Kramer? Like, like from Seinfeld, like he's, he's our friend, but he's just a bit crazy.
0: Mexico? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's like always in your face. Like half your population is all like living in our country. And like, we're pretending you don't live here, but you kind of half of you do. You know? That's like Kramer, right? He just like, like barges in and grabs food. Out of the. <laughs> That's funny. That's <laughs> I funny. think Mexico's Kramer.
2: Anyway, so what was the main point that this article was making?
0: I don't know. You got me off track. Oh, <laughs> I, I like classifying countries.
2: This though. is supposed to be letters of the dark side, not like laugh out loud. Yeah, but I, think I like that. I like categorizing the countries. All right. So <laughs> you want to keep on going categorizing the countries or you want to?
0: No, I think, I don't know. Okay. okay. okay.
2: So, but, so But you were saying that he would, this article was basically saying how the US couldn't stand, couldn't.
0: Well, it's like we have to go one of two ways, essentially. We either have to, A, start doing things that are, that are, More in agreement with what we're saying. Otherwise, our hypocrisy just will not be accepted. So when it was kind of believed or speculated that we might be doing a lot of nasty nasty things, you know, surveillance is just one of them. You know, drone strikes and killing thousands of civilians who aren't actually enemy combatants. And this stuff becomes more and more well-known. And people are just not going to buy the bullshit anymore. Other countries are going to be like, it's just, you know, just knock it off. Don't keep talking to us about freedom, democracy, and civil rights when, you know, you do all these things that have nothing to do with it, right? So the U.S. either has to either a get in, either, either start acting in accord, accordance with what it's espousing, yeah, or it says, you know what, we're not even going to bother even saying it anymore. We're just operating in our own self interest and not being. that self interest is not the self interest of the American people generally, but in the 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 power government. the power interests that that more or less influenced Washington, especially Washington's foreign policy. So they're just like, you know what? We're not going we're not, we're not to think of ourselves as Luke Skywalker when we're Darth Vader. We're just going to agree that we're the Empire. We're not even going to play that, <laughs> which could be a little bit of a dangerous game because if, if uh, my, my guess is that most people in the United States would not embrace that. They would not just cross their arms and be like, yeah, well, we're the Empire and, and, and you know, suck on that. You know, they're going to be like, "Yeah, this is not how we raise our kids. This is not how we were raised. This is not." It's what not we the
2: American in. dream. It's
0: not even remotely. It's not the American. <coughs> you know, I mean, you know, people might be like, "You know, we have a good life here and this and that," but the idea that we treat other people on the world so badly just makes it hard for us to sleep at night. So,
2: well, so that so that could. Do you think that that could spark civil war? Civil war? Yeah. No. Like, do you think that there could be a situation where? If the government thought that that,
0: no, I don't. I don't th- think anything would ever go. I mean, the you know, that's like a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, I think civil war and revolution and all that stuff. That's like TV show kind of stuff. I mean, that way, if if, if anything like that happened, it would be so far off. I mean, it, it, our, in our world that we live in right now, we're so far away from that. It's just not even. I mean, it's just like a. I guess it's just like purely theoretical TV show kind of stuff. Okay. But could there be political upheavals? You know, disruptions, realignments in political parties. I mean, that happens all the time, but sometimes there are discontinuities, right? All of a sudden there's like a shock to the system and things change. And I wonder I, if
2: it could, could it promote a three-party system, for example.
0: I don't think you could get a three-party system in the U.S. because um, I, think, I think the way it works here, the way we have it set up in a non-parliamentary political system is that you're always trying to say the 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 least bad of two options. People are always like, you know, even if they're kind of like thinking of being like a third party, like we're not, I don't really like what the Republicans are doing. I don't really like what Democrats are doing. So we're the, you know, the, you know, like the Green Party or the Ralph Nader's party or Ross Perot. And what ends up happening is all those people start realizing, oh crap, like if we run this, then the guy we hate worse is going to win. And so that's what happens. Right, right. They're yeah. always like, there's always two parties they yeah. like, but there's always one that they're more scared of. There's one that's even further away, okay. and so it's be- and so people rationalize. Just
2: I'll stick it within my within my two party vote because then Obama won't get in, or you know whoever won't get in. Basically, whoever we don't yeah. like is yeah. won't
0: get in, or, or, yeah. or won't win, or won't, whatever. So, but the problem is um, when you get in that situation and people become partisan um, and they're like, I'm just a Republican or a Democrat, and that's just the way I think. People start closing down their minds and not considering better solutions to the problem. And and the other thing is that the left and the right—they know that those people fall in the categories are going to vote for them no matter what they do. So they can completely ignore that vote. Like all the people really far to the right, they're probably going to have to worry about. Them. Like we know we got you, mm-hmm. you know. And the same with the left. So like, and and that's why a lot of times um, they'll bring up very polarizing issues, very polarizing social issues, because that will bring out their base and they can just count them. But there's no chance that they can vote for this site. The, all they have to worry about is activating their base so that they're, like, motivated the, to get out because they're so worried about their Good way to put issues.
2: it, activating their base. But yeah. anyway,
0: so I thought that was kind, of, um,
2: yeah, kind that's- of interesting,
0: the end of hypocrisy. So, But it was pointing to, like, this guy was just summarizing a, a much more um, in-depth article, which I haven't a chance to, to to read. I just started. It was called The End of Hypocrisy in Foreign Affairs, which is, you know.
2: Well, that's a nice... You know that is a nice dark note to end the show on. <laughs> do
0: you want to end that? You want end on that dark note? No, no, I don't want to end on a dark <laughs> note. I, I, I think we should end on a happy note. Uh, something happy. Something happy. Well, you know, I'm going to jump back to education for a second, then. All right. So I got two. there's only two other links I have. Um, so there was an article in the uh, New York Times about and it was entitled "In Flipped Classrooms, a Method for Mastery." So you've heard of the flipped classroom concept? Well, that's what did you do is. Right. So you do the, you, the theory is you you read the you watch the videos or read the material at home and then you come in and you work on the material in class. Right. And the teacher, rather than spending up time lecturing in front of you, then walks around and helps the kids. Which is kind of what we've been doing in Catalyst. They so said what I do is I spend the first ten minutes and do a really brief talk because I know the kids don't really want to listen. You know, I mean they're young, first of all, and they're itching to like start typing on their computer. And then you and I just end up walking around trying to help people right yeah um it is exhausting though but it's effective well, so i mean with did you do i don't know if it's exactly the same but
2: basically they're they're looking at the content and reading the material while the teacher's walking around helping people is that flipped class
0: not completely it's it, that's closer to like kind of what you do so flipped would i mean, in the way that's traditionally traditionally meaning like people were taught been talking the last couple of years it's that you you do the reading or you absorb the material the night before the class I see. right okay you know and that's why i like videos like the khan academy stuff is like a is, is shown as sort of an example of that because you it's easy for kids to just watch a video mm-hmm. right which is actual lecture some kids i think especially younger kids but i think it's a, a lot of people have a really hard time reading to learn yeah like it's a hard time i personally like to do it i hate going to class and listen people talk yeah. i'd like just tell me the 10 pages i gotta read i would rather read the 10 pages about You know the physics equations we're gonna do, and just work through it myself mentally. And then I hate going and seeing the guy, and he's just drawing on the board. And okay, well here's the equation, and wow, I'm just like, I. I, Well, what happens is I just tune out. I don't listen. Wow. That's why I. That's why my biggest problem in college was I would I would just skip class all the time because I found it so tediously boring. But the problem with not going to class is you kind of get out of sync with the class. And I jokingly for myself as an on-campus correspondence student. (laughs) (laughs) So I would like, I would get the problem sets from people. I'm like, what's our problem set this week? And they'd give me. to, you know, a, a copy of the problem of the prom set, and then I do the stuff, and I hand it into the graders. Work uh, like the graders would have like a, a mailbox, yeah. And I just hand my <laughs> stuff in, and then I show up for the midterm. And people like, dude, you're in this class? I'm like, yeah. What's up? <laughs> hey, <laughs> Let's do this thing. <laughs>
2: so what it so going to that article? oh
0: um so uh oh and by the way i so i would not recommend doing what i did right it makes it life a lot harder even if you find it tediously boring it's always better to just go and sit in the class and zone out and at least stay in sync with what the teacher is emphasizing to be important yeah because even though they say we'll do chapter seven they may go well all right you really only know this first 20 percent of it but really focus on this one problem mm. meanwhile you're just giving everything equally weighting. Wa- yeah, that's and not true. extra way to this one thing, and so you're very inefficient, and then of course, so you're sure so you're disadvantage- you have a disadvantage going into the test. Not that I think we have a lot of college or high school students listening, but <laughs> if I was if I was lecturing or mentoring my younger self, that's what I would say. So what what was the about that article that you were oh, you thought was interesting? Yeah, and so the other thing they did was talking about um, uh, uh, is is what they call mastery-based learning, which is kind of like leveling up. So normally in school, the way it works is that we do we do a new topic, we cover it, or a set of topics, we take a test on it, you get an A through an F, we well, move on. Mm-hmm. You didn't get it, you didn't get it. Right? The problem is is that once you do that and you get and you don't get an A in something, and you, every time you get a anything less than an A, and full or anything you have less than full mastery, or anytime you have less than full you anytime you have not learned the material 100%, you're going to have holes in your knowledge. Mhm. Right? and those holes accumulate, and, and after a while, you have a hard time um, overcoming them, because you go back, and you're like, and, and you keep missing problems, not because you didn't, you didn't un- misunderstand the current material, but because you, you they're, they're using techniques, or tools, or information that you that you should have known, but you don't know anymore. It's exactly what we do in DigiDo. We break it down to uh, common core standards, so
2: we, we can look and see exactly how many standards you have got mastery over, so we We can focus into one specific standard and see if generally you have, you know, a 60% understanding of it or 100% understanding over a number of questions. So, yeah, Yeah. that's awesome.
0: But so the key is for here is that the best thing is if you do a flip classroom, then you can really do mastery based learning. So you do not go to level two till you've done level one. Hmm. There's no point. Right, right. Right. And but you don't have to rush you. Sometimes if you're struggling with something, you need a couple more days on it. It's fine. Learning at your own pace. Right, you learn your own pace. Just like Did you do? It's a little more. Yeah, exactly. It's a little Sorry. more work for the teachers. It's a little more work for it's more work for the teachers, yeah. but the kids do
2: way better. But it's not that much work, more work for the teachers because if if you if you've got a system built to accommodate it, then at the end of the day, the teachers are just walking around the classroom. Okay, this kid's here. This kid's here. This kid's here. I can look at my dashboard. What do you have mastery of? What do you have mastery of? That's that's what we do.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, and I think if you get the tools and procedures set up the right yeah. way, you're right. It probably, is. Yeah. but that transition for parent teachers is I mean, a difficult one.
2: Oh, it, it can be difficult, and and that's there's 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 a lot of professional development that needs to be done from the teachers' yeah. perspective.
0: Yeah. So, and I think what you've talked about is that you guys need to work closely with schools and teachers in helping them yeah. learn how to best leverage or transition them into using Didu. Yes. So. But that's interesting. Though. But see, I personally. If I was a if I was a kid and they said you can go as fast as you want and blow through this stuff and just level up, I would just blow through that stuff. You would. I would be like, I am going to get through this. Like, but especially if there was some kind of badge or something. Yeah. Associated. Well, yeah, hell, yeah, recognition. So yeah. it reminds me of and and I remember in high school, my um my math teacher and mentor, uh, um, uh, Steve Segur. He um he would say, yeah, you can learn a year of math in two months, no problem.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you've said this. Yeah, yeah.
0: and. Uh, and he's right. I, I remember my buddy Mitchell and uh, my buddies Mitchell and Nikos, they were not a year ahead in math. And in order for them to catch up with a few of the other ones, and because and, they were doing some independent science project with Steve as well and kind of in that group, Steve just said, hey, why don't you guys learn algebra two and trigger over the summer? And they did not spend the whole summer. I think the last month and a half of summer, they kind of put in some stuff and they just blew through it hmm. and went through a year. And, you know, they were, of course, really bright guys, so they were, could do it more easily than some people, but you can blow through this so quickly if you want to, mm. you know? I think that's cool. But I like the idea of the flip classroom. Oh, and the one thing that reminds uh, there's a great article called, uh, I think there's a research paper called The Two Sigma Problem. And I first heard about it. There was a talk given by Peter Norvig, who's a director of research at Google. And he was giving a talk about, uh, I think it's Udacity. He's one of the guys who, who co-founded it with um, Sebastian Thrun, who runs the... Um, who used to run Google X and started Udacity. He mm-hmm. did the Google self-driving car project. Yep. So, you know, and they're, so they're kind of trying to figure out the new concept of learning and how do we do all this stuff. And, um, and they were talking about like, you know, computer-based learning. You know? And one of the things he's talking about is when you do mastery-based learning with individual tutoring, they have what's the two sigma effect. So people move two standard deviations up the performance scale. And I can't remember how exactly I said it, but it was something like you'd have, like, one kid, from the, um, one kid from the regular class or something, or 1% would be, you know, anywhere near the rest of the kids in the other, in the mastery-based learning. So, because they, they did, and, and maybe that's not right, but, I mean, basically, like, you move people two standard deviations up, that's huge, mm. right? So, even people who are doing bad are now getting would have aced the previous class. That's amazing. And, um, but it's really like, and they said it had no correlate. There was, no, there was really no correlation between what were considered good tutors and bad tutors as long as they knew the material. So if you had people, oh, this person's been tutoring for 20 years and they're a master tutor, statistically no difference in terms of how the kids, as long as you had someone who understood the material and could work with the kids, which could help, it could go to demonstrate that like you could have l- teachers who have less skill but can serve more as mentors to kids, more like TAs, teaching assistants, Mm. you know, and they have computer-based learning where you're being, a lot of the material is being driven by the videos and question and answers and pushing through, and then you have like a TA-type mentoring pushing you through. It would probably be a much more efficient way to get a lot more people to master a lot more material. Mm. But I always thought, so they call that the two sigma problem, like how do we, because if you don't use computers and you just have one-on-one tutors, of course that's vastly more resource intensive. Yeah. So I think the key is obviously it's got to be done on the computer. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's the, that's going to be the future. I just wish that existed when, when I, when I was around, but that's also something that you and I've talked about. I'm not going to go into it, but that's like one of my pet projects, things that I really want to work on. I have a whole vision. Like if we were reinventing from scratch, what would be the ultimate sort of learning machine Mm-hmm. What that would look like, so that you could take, so kids could move as quickly or at the right at whatever pace they needed to, and could blow through stuff and learn the things that they wanted to learn and have no holes and remember it forever, not just mm. like for the test. Look, oh, you know it, and three months later you're like you have sixty percent comprehension, and then a year and a half later you have twenty percent, mm. you know, mastery of it. Which is like, what's the point? I mean, what's the point of learning? a year of calculus? And two years later you can barely get like a twenty percent on a test. No, no, right, yeah. It just is kind of stupid. Anyway, I think nice. that's... I think that's uh, that, that
2: is a very nice, uh, very positive note to end on.
0: Yeah. Well,
2: I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Thank you very much, sir.
0: So, you're taking off for,
2: for Chicago. Yeah, taking off for Chicago on Wednesday, which is the day after tomorrow, and um, I will be back on the following Monday. Okay.
0: Yeah. We need to get this show shipped. shipped. So You get it cut, edited and cut, and I'll do the notes tonight and we'll get this sucker. Alright, uh, I'll get it to you today. ...on the web. All right, that's a wrap. We're out.